Welcome, welcome, Overcasters. It's your host of the most, Jay here. And welcome back to the Overmoncast. That time we woke up in a podcast and had to explain manga. Our heated adventures overanalyzing manga we find interesting. On this week's episode, we read another installment of My Hero Academia by Kohei Hirokoshi, chapters 70 to 97. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Over Manga Cast. My name is Sam and as always here at the top of the episode we like to uh, talk about what our familiarity with the franchise that we read this week is. Uh, actually I, I have a specific thing for this uh, particular instance of Hiroaka. Normally in these revisit episodes I just say go listen to the last thing we did but uh, for this, this was actually, uh, and I'm pretty sure this is the same for Jake, it's the last full arc of the anime that I had watched. I had gotten a little bit into the season after it, and I, while I did enjoy it, uh, circumstances in my life basically stopped me from uh, continuing to watch it at the time. So I am glad to have uh, revisited this particular arc because I have very fond memories of it, and I'm glad the manga uh, was uh, just as good as I remember the anime being. Jacob, can you concur? Confirmed. Uh, can confirm. It's exactly what I was going to say. Uh, I mean, I've I've been trying to do better at like, you know, keeping up with the, you know, stuff I'd say I'd continue reading and I'm, I'm you know, chipping away at the list. Uh, this was the last full arc that I watched. And one thing that I had uh, started doing with like, like around this time, I decided to wait for arcs to get finished and then it just like, you know, it just slips your mind and, you know, you move on to whatever the, you know, shiny distracting thing is. And I just haven't gotten back around to uh, Hirawaka. <laughs> I uh, was listening to some of the Hirawaka soundtrack and I'm like, how many OPs does the show have now? Oh, God, I'm so far behind. <laughs> but yes, I had actually seen all of this in animated form uh, prior to uh, this reading section. Oh, and before any of y'all say anything else, Odd Future is a banger. I will hear no arguments at this time. Uh, Matt, your experience with this particular uh, section of Hiroaka. Well, let's get this started. Um, <laughs> I am a known fan of My Hero Academia, if you've listened to our previous things. Uh, no, um, <laughs> I, I have read the amount we've needed to for this podcast. I am aware other things have happened. Yeah, uh, th this is new for me. All right, and Jay. So if you've listened to our previous episodes, I have repeatedly promised to continue the anime and or start the anime. I unfortunately have broken some of those promises. Um, so this is a fresh read for me. You're in good and... company as far as that goes. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So uh, as a quick refresher, the last time we had left our young heroes or heroes to be, Midoriya had been confronted with uh, <laughs> creepy bad touch man Shigaraki. We pick up in the aftermath of that event where Midoriya is being interviewed by the police and um, basically being reassured, don't worry, we've got people on it. Uh, just go enjoy your summer, your, uh, summer break, which isn't a break at all. You're going to training camp. We also get a bit that... Um ends up following through this uh, particular uh, section of our reading where um, we start to get uh, concerns from Deku's mom about uh, mm -hmm. the uh, life path that he's chosen. God, I feel so bad for Mrs. Midoriya. <laughs> so, so does uh, Horikoshi. He said so himself. She does yep. not deserve the son she has. Like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
say, hey, I'm going to call you when you're in the hospital. Oh, you're going to leave me on voicemail and get back to me later. Okay, good job. Oh, <laughs> like... uh, my, like, bless his heart, Deku tries, but... <laughs> By gotta... trying, you mean applying the absolute minimum effort of trying? Yeah, the definition he, of trying. He's got a very specific set of priorities, and I'm not saying they are correctly aligned. I'm just saying he sticks to them very closely. He's a peak stupid teenager at this point, and uh, I, I that do can be frustrating. Yeah. God, Mom, I'm 14. I can live my own life. <laughs> I'm just like, I expected this to definitely the first um, part of our reading expected this type of behavior. But after the first and second beatdowns, and you kind of have to gauge that maybe his, his mother's concern and outrage might be, you know, warranted. Valid. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, the, the mom is not aware like 90% of Deku's w wounds are self-inflicted yeah mm -hmm. like, <laughs> yeah well we'll, like, we'll we're getting ahead of ourselves yeah, I, uh, yeah. we have we uh, have a, a, a discussion question and uh, I'll have a lot to say about this particular aspect of Deku's character once we get there Indeed. The kids in the hero course are going uh, off to an isolated training camp because, uh, hey, the villains are still being villains. How about we just uh, alter the destination and not tell anybody? This will sur uh, surely keep us uh, safe and protected. It was either uh, Sarah or Kaminari who uh, was the one who mentioned, but I already told my mom where we were originally going. Yes, genius. That's why they're changing the destination. That's how it works. <laughs> <laughs> Notably, both of those characters failed. I don't remember which of them made the stupid comment, but it could have been either of them. Yeah, but uh, they arrive in the mountains where they pull off onto the side and are told by a group of uh, heroes, or at least two members of this hero group, the Wild Wild Pussycats, who uh, I love them. They are great. <laughs> They're pretty spectacular. Uh, how upset they get when Deku tells, like, the rest of the class how long ago they were professional heroes. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is very concerned about her age, yeah. They've been professional heroes for 12 years now! We are 18 at heart! <laughs> uh, I feel bad, because I don't, I don't remember that character's name off the top of my head, because I, I like Mandalay a lot more. It, it's either Pixie Bob or Ragdoll. It's Pixie Bob. It's Pixie Bob. It's Pixie Bob. Pixie Bob. It's Pixie Bob. Yeah. Pixie Bob is the one who's concerned about uh, their uh, apparent ages. I, I like Mandalay a lot more. I'm glad so, uh, you remembered the fourth one's name, because I, I know Pixie Bob. Um... Ragdoll is very distinct. It's, and it's, Pixie, it's Pixie Bob. Tiger is very distinct. Yeah, Tiger is mm. very distinct. <laughs> we'll get to Tiger. We will get I to Tiger. I love Tiger. <laughs> yes. But yeah, Pixie Bob, Pixie Bob, Mandalay, Ragdoll, and Tiger. Mandalay is actually the one I tend to forget, but... I did forget. <laughs> but uh, they're like, all right, kids, you're going to be staying at our uh, secluded training camp for this uh, special summer training course. And uh, we're just uh, meeting up with you here now before you uh, make your way there. Okay, so uh, we're going to get back on the bus, right? No, you're not. By the way, lunch is in three hours. Uh, have fun in the woods. Boom. <laughs> and yeet them they're, off a cliff. With they're, the they're launched into the sky. <laughs> Because I Pixie mean, Bob's quirk is she's an earthbender. Not too uncommon from any camp experiences I've had. <laughs> Food is done at this, at this time. Go do stuff. Have fun in the woods. Hope you <laughs> make it. Jay, do you, do you want to make a complaint against the Girl Scouts of America? <laughs> no, I enjoyed it thoroughly. <laughs> I, they're not supposed to attack you with landslides. 
<laughs> I don't know what they teach you in Boy Scouts, but it sounds like you needed to have a more rigorous curriculum. Well, this explains so much. <laughs> Look, the only thing I remember from the Boy Scouts is the is the Pinewood Derby. Because my dad and I looked up guides on the internet and we 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 outtacked everybody. <laughs> you were the people everyone hated, Sam. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and your scorn fuels me. Yes. No, I've but just this... succeeded in other things since then. <laughs> <laughs> Our heroes launch into action, but alas, they do not make it to camp in time for lunch. In fact, they barely make it in time for dinner as everyone staggers in uh, dirty, suffering the side effects of their quirks and exhausted. Can we, because... talk, about... Can we talk about that they had to fight a earth monster in the forest? Yeah, I was going to say, I yep. was going to say, it wasn't just that they had to make the trek there. The earthbender of the uh, wild, wild pussycats was uh, sending monsters at them. <laughs> I just Mon want to. Her quirk is she can control earth and also make sentient creatures out of earth. Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> She's a pro hero. I don't, I don't question what they can do at this we, point. We, we we have spent a lot of time in these episodes talking about how quirks are very liberal with what they allow you to do. So yep. fine. Uh, if someone can have an internal combustion engine in their I was just going to say, I was just going to say, if you're going to complain about uh, quirks, then you're pretty much done at Eda. So, hey, I have complained about every quirk fairly. There is no special treatment here. No, you're not, no, no, you're not wrong. I'm just saying it's a losing battle. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of Kota's quirk, Ball Bust? <laughs> yeah, we're introduced to uh, the uh, nephew of one of the wild, wild pussycats. Kota, a, a small boy with a spiky hat. His, uh, his immediate reaction to Deku uh, saying hello and offering a handshake is to uh, punch him in the balls. Just full force. It's a very dynamic panel. <laughs> also, I know this is kind of ruining a discussion question for later but uh code is my favorite character uh, <laughs> i wonder why you're in good company with bakugo who sees this he goes cute kid <laughs> i hate children <laughs> i just love how bakugo is so like he sees deku get punched in the nuts and he's like that kid's good that he's good people that's good people <laughs> I, I i love the underlying hatred for deku that fuels bakugo through everything he does <laughs> We'll get to the other moment of that in this reading. <laughs> we will. I love that part. <laughs> it's objectively um, one of my favorite parts, but it's also the one where I feel the most sorry for Deku. <laughs> anyway, time uh, time for dinner. Everyone enjoys their food, uh, which is all the sweeter for having uh, starved throughout the entire afternoon in the forest. Various hijinks ensue from there. There's a bit of... Manetta existing. Manetta, Manetta being Manetta. <laughs> Yep. What Minetta did in this section is tried to scale the wall between the. I'm, I'm telling you, it's just too much. Disperse, disperse it a little bit. In the manga, it's barely anything is the problem. Like this is just a trope that they then yeah. nothing happens. He gets knocked off the wall and is then unconscious. Yeah, this like... is. Yeah, this is. This is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I can't complain about Mineta in this section. It's just my patience for him is inherently low. I'm just saying anything about Mineta's behavior in this entire like section we read is purely holdovers from what he's done before. Like, yeah, yeah, he is. I, 
I just think it's rather poignant that Kota was placed as a guard in between the two walls to prevent this very thing from happening. So Why Mineta... do you think Kota will prevent anything from happening? He's a little kid. But well, they... he succeeds. He succeeds. And, th- and they know from <laughs> the attack upon Miss Midoriya's uh, grandchildren that he is uh, not fond of heroes. So... Mm-hmm. Kota does pop out from between the two wooden boards to uh, block Mineta, who falls. The girls thank him. He turns around. Uh, of course, we get a shot of the girls in the bath. Kota falls over from shock. And poignantly, Deku saves Kota from falling, but not Mineta. <laughs> I'd, have, I'd have saved Mineta. He got a face full of Mineta's butt. It was real funny. <laughs> Yeah. That's one of those that's one of those ones where it's like there was an element of saving Mineta, but you wonder how much of that was more just of a Pratt fall. This I, does I, actually lead to something valuable because uh, uh we what, what's invisible girl's name? Hakakure? Yeah, uh yeah. Yeah. Yes, I do... because she has the most hilarious official merchandise for yes. her figurine. <laughs> I'm paying sixty dollars for a pair of gloves. I do love that in the in the shot of the girls in the bath, Hakakure is just a hole in the water. <laughs> in the shape of a human torso. <laughs> this does actually lead to something uh, fairly important because uh, we learn a little bit about Kota's history and his uh, family. Really, a really good moment from uh, Deku that sort of shows both a lot of his strengths as a character and one of his biggest weaknesses as a character because um, I believe it's Mandalay who mentions, because I believe Kota is her nephew nephew, specifically she explains that um his parents uh died and she gives very few details about this incident because obviously it's not really any of deku's business the specifics but deku is almost immediately able to figure out exactly who it was and what had happened Mm -hmm. because he's the hero otaku yeah and it's like that 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 shows you know deku's knowledge and his able his ability to figure things out but also it's kind of a good thing that kota was unconscious at this point because that's really insensitive deku (laughs) Yeah, not the only time he will do that in this section to Kota specifically. Mm-hmm. Kota's parents were the uh, combined uh, husband-wife hero team water hose. Yeah, we don't really see much of it. Just uh, a flashback of uh, some blood splatter on some on a street, but it is uh, fairly brutal from the look of it and the sub- and the sobriety of Deku's expression. But uh, that does not get in the way of training, and it is time to pump those quirks up. We are leveling up in this RPG. Man, I I really like training arcs. Mm-hmm. And then we got to the training part of this arc, and I was just like, oh, okay. There 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 is not much to it. Yeah, we yeah. we use our quirks as hard as possible, and we don't even get to see everyone. Like the next two chapters, bonus pages. I'm explaining what their training was. And you could tell some of them are just like, so what are what are they gaining from this summer vacation here? <laughs> like, um, uh, what, who's talk to animals, boy? Uh, Kota. 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 Yeah, his, his training is revealed that he screamed to get a louder voice, and I'm like, does does that work? I don't presume to know how quirks work. That's the problem, though. It's not his quirk. It's not it's his just... quirk. Yeah, it's just easy. Like some of these people just have regular muscle training, and it's like at this point, I'm reading these, going like, I don't, I don't think Horikoshi knows how you work out. <laughs> this, this is all terrible. 
See, my favorite is uh, Bakugo dunking his his forearms in boiling water to expand his sweat sweat glands so he can produce more of the glycerin sweat. It's sort of funny because it's like, um, actually, uh, unless I actually uh, get off my butt and start watching Hiroaka again, this is the last time I can really make a big comparison between the, the anime adaptation, but they do do a lot more in the anime, like, for example... They incorporate the stuff in that little bonus at the end. Yeah, you actually see that, and there are things like actually seeing like Todoroki freeze the the barrel of water he's in solid, and then immediately melt it to near boiling point over and over again. Does such a better job of conveying what he's actually doing than the pretty much nothing that we get instead. No, I, I believe the three main characters get workout routines that make sense. Everyone else, I don't know what they're doing there. Like, <laughs> Tokoyami's just in a cave. Yeah, he, well, Tokoyami makes sense, at least. Like, that's a mental training. But some of them just, like, it's clear Horikoshi and his team couldn't come up with an idea. Lead up to this is actually pretty good because Aizawa goes up to uh, Bakugo and says, uh, here, this is, the, this is identical to the ball you threw at the beginning during the quirk test on your first day here. Uh, throw it as hard as you can and see how much you've improved. The improvement is like two meters. <laughs> yeah. And everyone shocked at this at first, and Aizawa was like, no, that makes perfect sense. You have made a lot of improvements in your hero training, but it's all been specifically your, like, you know, physical reflexes, your uh, combat abilities, your rescuing abilities, your... Um, intellect, but you haven't actually trained the quirks themselves. That's what we're going to focus on. We're going to make the quirks themselves more powerful. But like, there is the case where it's like, what do you do to make Kota's quirks strong? Like, like how do you make how do you make uh, Hakakure more invisible? I was literally just about to say, what did she even do? <laughs> She's literally already invisible all of the time. <laughs> well, actually, that's the best part because it's like some of the characters who all, uh, who were. Uh, uh, threatened to miss the training camp are, are some of the people who would most likely actually need the or would actually benefit from a quirk improving training camp. Yeah, yeah, the people doing remedial lessons rather than training. Oh, <laughs> oh no, they're doing remedial lessons and training, which uh, Mina has trouble. She has she's got problems with <laughs> <laughs> as um, they are getting uh, after uh, several days of this training. Uh, the group the group of kids are ready to do a test of courage by wandering through the dark and spooky forest. And uh, Mina is like, yes, we're going to do the test of courage. This is going to be so cool. And Aizawa walks up and says, all right, everyone who failed and is doing remedial training, you're coming with me. We're doing math. What? (laughs) She's a great reaction panel. I just want to know whose idea it was to do the test of courage because that person was an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Hey, we're currently hiding from a bunch of villains. Let's separate all the people into individual teams <laughs> so they can be picked off one by one in case something bad happened. We're going to walk into a dark and spooky forest at night by ourselves. Yeah, like, I don't know. The, the rest of our reading does make it a case that the the UA Academy definitely is not super well organized. Although they kind of do fight back that they're that's mostly just bad press, but like this whole day in its entirety kind of just shows me like, you know, maybe people weren't wrong. Like, uh, 
yeah, no, I think I think that that's very intentional. UA and like you know, as much as as much as a lot of the the people at UA, like especially in the in the press conferences, of course they're gonna say that you know we're you know it's not as bad as it looks. But like a lot of the a lot of the um, actual uh, staff members of UA themselves are like, yeah, we let this happen. That was pretty inexcusable. What the hell are we gonna do now? And like this is actually a really um, good section that shows that you know, whilst it very rarely comes out and outright says it out loud, the the pillars of hero society are not really that well constructed and they crumble very fast with the slightest oh. stupid decision like sending a bunch of the students alone into the forest in the middle of the night you know this, it gets out of control really quickly this is also kind of a decent reminder that the peaceful state of hero society that we are introduced to in the opening of this manga is actually not the norm this isn't what it's been since quirks were discovered because all might is the latest wielder of one for all he's the one that actually created the peaceful world our heroes grew up in yep he is the pillar of peace mm -hmm. yeah and they this, yeah so it's been a generation of this of course no one knows how to actually have this be an institution going forward look all I can say is that a generation ago, there might have been slightly more crime, but the heroes were heroes. And they weren't restricted by these laws that forced them to wear clothes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you think, all I can think of just running around naked just because why not? I'm, I'm pretty sure there were, were laws and restrictions on public nudity. Yeah, apparently heroes then have additional restrictions is the thing. Like it's uh, Yeah, there's a there's a there's a side bit of um, Midnight uh, of Midnight and Mount Lady and then uh it ends with uh I'm not gonna lie, I gotta skip that. <laughs> I actually did uh chuckle at, at this Minetta joke where uh, he's enjoying the cat fight on TV. That actually did make me chuckle. Thank you, God. Knight is proud that she is the one that got the law passed about the amount of skin coverage your uh, superhero suit must have. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it is the dark of night. Our heroes are uh, isolated into small groups. It is now time for the, the attack of the villains, the Vanguard Action Squad. In the dark of the night, evil will find them. A seer warns of a deadly fate. Something, something, Sonic Underground. What? I, I, I don't <laughs> I know. Think I we're think we're referencing two separate songs. <laughs> I think we are. <laughs> anyway, the point is that Deku gets one of the best fights in the entire fucking manga up to this point. And then, yeah. Yeah, uh, mm -hmm. because, because everyone is separated, because that was such a brilliant decision, uh, Deku Deku's realizes... himself. Well, um, the, the big thing that Deku realizes is because um, I mentioned that there was another case where Deku was kind of more in insensitive than he should have been and probably should have known better. And uh, that particular moment is he finds uh, Kota on his own during one of like the, the training camp days, dinner times, and um, he tries his best. I get, I get strong um, Tanjiro vibes of, let me just pep talk you into happiness. That'll work, right? Yeah, he follows Kota up to a uh, caveside cliff out in the woods that Kota has claimed as his secret base. And he's like, hey, so you kind of didn't show up to dinner. Here's some curry. Why are you following me? Well, I mean, 
I, I did hear about your parents. They were water hosts, right? Who told you? Did Mondale tell you that? I, well, I, I, I look, I'm, I just think they were really impressive as heroes. And this is why I hate heroes. Okay, get out of here. I can tell you're real stressed about this. I think I'm just gonna keep pushing the issue. Deku, stop. <laughs> Bless him. He tries, but <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's very similar um, to the situation in um, a, a Demon Slayer episode that we did, where you know the whole um, Tanjiro taking the the point away. It's like that I'm approach trying. doesn't doesn't help like you know and, and i appreciate it when when you have a main character especially if a main character of a you know like a shonen jump series in particular that can just you know screw up in the and the story doesn't like uh belabor the point or point it out it's like that's just that's just a failing on deku's part he needs to do better than that We'll appreciate Hiroaka makes it much more clear that Deku has not succeeded, where even we kind of went away from the Demon Slayer one going like, I'm not 100% sure the story disagrees with Tanjiro's actions, but let's yeah. go with it. <laughs> I think it's got to get all philosophical, but I think it might also have to do with this a societal impact of, you know, mental health in general, because, mm. you know... That is true. They approach, this is... It, they approach it very light and nonchalantly, and like, perhaps, you know from the outside perspective, we're focusing too heavily on it and applying that to it, where it's just like, no, this is supposed to be like, you need to stop thinking so hard about this. And obviously and that doesn't work, but- What's the yeah. matter, orphan? Sad your parents died? Deku, what the hell? <laughs> it's a bit on the blunt side, but the, the important in a plot progression sense thing about this is that Deku knows where Kota would be hiding on a night like this when villains are about. And so he runs off to the secret base on the mountainside, which is a good thing because uh, as the whims of fate would have it, the villain that murdered Kota's parents is there and looking for more blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a coincidence is like the bread and butter of my hero at this point. Like, <laughs> yeah. I normally, I normally don't have a problem with that sort of thing, but it's so blunt in that it's, it happens to be the same villain it's, that killed Waterhose. It's the same guy. The big thing is he gets like a weird realization halfway through. It's just like, what? And it's like, you're the person who killed his parents. Oh, really? Wow, that wraps up my character arc right now. Cool. I'm going <laughs> to switch to my kill everything on. Like, okay. Yeah, it was yeah. weird that he just randomly mentioned this. I'm like, do you not know how to read the room? <laughs> well, <laughs> obviously no. not. Obviously not. That's why he's a he's a sociopath with a long history of violence. It's like announcing someone has a. Pe I mean, you're not uh, wrong. Muscular. No, no, I'm, ta I'm talking about muscular. I'm just saying, it's like announcing you have a peanut allergy. Oh well, then let me take out these you know these peanut squares that I brought along with me because Ooh. you monster. <laughs> 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 but yeah, yeah i mean uh, i i i will say i i love the uh deku versus muscular uh battle for a lot of reasons but the least of which of all is muscular himself because very one-dimensional i don't want to say it's lazy but it's it's as close to lazy as hiroaka gets yeah but I mean, they need filler heroes or because of everyone. Filler villains in this case. Yes, filler Tons villains. Tons of filler because heroes. Because if, ev if everyone was just super interested and super, you know, had a lot of depth and intrigue to them. 
I think if I were I think if I were to articulate the issue, Hiroaka is usually better about hiding that fact because strictly speaking, almost all of class 1A is is in that category, but it it disguises that better than they did with muscular and that's my problem with him. It's so transparent the kind of rote cardboard cutout antagonist he is whereas everything else is exactly up to the standard of Hirowaka I'd come to expect up to this point. So that's sort of the reason why he kind of stands out to me as a bit of a thin villain. Yeah, and like the setup for this fight is literally like Deku finds Kota. He's got muscular right there. And muscular then starts villain monologuing about like, hey, we came here to fight and also I've got a power where I just make more muscles. So I'm actually infinitely strong. And I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Also, I killed that kid's parents. Oh, that's the kid whose parents I killed? Cool. They gave me this glass eye. That's why it looks weird, I guess. I'm going to put in a new murder glass eye because Deku's not super strong enough to fight me now, despite the fact he broke one of his arms punching me. Overall, I love this confrontation. I will say that Muscular himself is the weakest part of it. I think that um, Deku's determination is the part that I love the most because he is getting kicked around quite literally in a few panels as uh, Muscular's and whole quirk is he just gets stronger to the point where his muscles literally bulge out of his skin in a yeah. very in a it's very kind of it's grotesque you know yeah. like those images of like old school bodybuilders that are yeah. just a bit too much like old that school or like, new school uh, old bodybuilders look like human but, beings is the difference not all of but, them like when they were super competitive without any regs oh my the, god or, or the chad memes yeah. You know the ones. Yeah. But, or it's just, um, it's too much. But I mean, is, like, I... He is way more powerful than Deku is capable of handling with full cowling. Even with a, like, 100% punch, uh, he is like, ah, that kind of stung. Good thing I beefed up my entire, like, left arm with a thousand percent more muscle to absorb the blow. Which, which is a common tactic for fighting uh, one-for-all users, apparently. The thing I like for this is because both this fight and what comes immediately after, I should say should be, and I trust that Hiroaka is going to follow through on this. Um, but the big thing is that this is, uh, this is meant to be a sea change for Deku because during the first like portion of this fight where basically trying to like get an opening to to run away with Kota he's been treating one for all the way that he's been treating it constantly up to this point as like him borrowing all might's power and it gets to a certain point in the fight where he's he's kind of resigned to his fate like there's a really powerful moment where he's he's basically you know, it, it doesn't exactly say why, but it's pretty obvious from the context. He apologizes to his mother in his head because he's kind he of accepted what's about to happen. He is convinced he's about to die as he's being pressed down by muscular, ground into the stones as he's screaming at Kota to just run while I hold him off. Yep, um, Deku's gonna die fighting a villain on an oil derrick, just like his father before him. <laughs> That's my headcanon, and I refuse to hear any different. <laughs> you might not be wrong, is the thing. Um, but but it's, um, it, it's actually a fairly convincing 
Like, uh, of course we know that Deku's going to survive because literally the narrator is Deku. Is Deku thing. from the future, yeah. Uh-huh. So, but it's a pretty convincing fake out because it is so very different from the, like, headspace that Deku is in normally during every other fight. He has no hope. He has no backup plan. He is just He's like, not trying to think about a way to get out of the situation, which is the way Deku always thinks about things. Like, he's always trying mm -hmm. to come up with some plan to leverage what he can do against an opponent who outclasses him. At this point, he's basically let that go and is just, I'm going I... to stand here for as long as I can and that's all I've got. But the sort of big thing is this is this is one of the first times and, you know, to a large extent, full cowling kind of has shades of this, but this is a, a more direct expression of it. He stops thinking about um, one for all as being All Might's power and almost stops thinking about one for all at all. He just acts under his own abilities. You know, he he accepts his own you know, what his own 100% is and pushes beyond that. It's not about being like All Might anymore. It's um, uh, what spurs this on is that um, despite all of Deku's uh, telling Kota to run, Kota instead, uh, I mean, the best he, he does he, is distracts muscular, but he uses his, his work on muscular. In his own way, he stands there defiantly. Like as Deku's being ground into the dirt, uh, Kota splashes him with, a bit of water from his own quirk, which distracts Muscular. And also, you know, Deku sees this flash of heroism in the person he's trying to save, and that inspires him to stand up, as if I would let you kill him. And in the moment that blew my freaking mind in the anime, Jake was there when I first saw it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he and saw I'm me leap out of my chair and hype. And, you know, something that I didn't actually notice at the time when I first watched it, but did when I was, you know, reading closely and, and analyzing for, you know, the sake of the podcast and analysis and whatnot, there's some really strong parallels to what earned One for All for Deku. Mm -hmm. You have someone who really should just leave. Kota could have just left and he would have survived in that, like, circumstance. Because it's not like Muscular was out to kill him in particular, and if he had run off into the woods, Muscular wouldn't have bothered searching for him because he's he's crazy. He's going to violently attack anyone he can find. He's not going to search for somebody. But he goes in and he tries to help, even though what he does is basically useless. But in doing that, in, in doing something, you know, reflexive, genuinely heroic, it spurs on someone who didn't realize they were powerful enough to do what they had to do it's a uh it's a really uh subtle and clever parallel to the uh the moment where Deku just runs at the slime villain yeah and summoning up one million percent which horikoshi does note later is not actually one million percent it's just Deku hyping himself up i'm i'm sad he had to point that out <laughs> Yeah. We're not allowed to have subtlety in anything anymore, I guess. I guess. But with one uh, million... Subtlety, that's, that's metaphor. Well, either or. So, subtlety <laughs> would be like 101%. <laughs> anyway, with one million percent one for all, he breaks out of the grapple and then punches 
muscular straighten the next week, or at least seven hours into the future when he is captured by the police. I assumed he'd been murdered at that point. <laughs> <laughs> he looks pretty dead, but this he's uh, not. This arc does a lot of murdering that then they say isn't murdering after the fact. <laughs> Yeah, they re they really want to convince you that that uh, that that gas is uh, instant death when it is very much not. I mean, the kid's name is Mustard. Yeah, I don't think that's his actual name. Well, that's his villain name. His villain yeah, name, but... yeah. Anyway, Deku has won the fight in spectacular manner, but now his arms are mega <laughs> up worse than they've ever been. He's got both his arms broken now. Again, he he's got he's got both of his arms basically powdered. Or Shoji. <laughs> <laughs> he's like good thing i saved my legs all right yeah kid piggyback let's go yeah they liken it to like firecrackers going off normally his bones and this time it was the equivalent of being pulverized into nothingness but the major concern was ligaments not so much the bone and muscle in particular like bombs went off in his arms. I can't imagine how hard it is to give someone a piggyback while you have broken arms. Mm -hmm. Like, because if you're not supporting them, all of their weight is around your neck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's also I... full cowling, I guess. <laughs> I, yeah, I guess he's got all I... night's thick neck. I don't yeah, know. Full, full cowling around his neck to make his neck superhumanly strong. Uh, I, I don't <laughs> care at this point. Yeah, yeah that's, the, that's the Colorado smash. The high elevation gives you powerful freaking neck muscles, I guess, from having to breathe so hard. During the fight with Muscular, uh, Muscular was the one who mentioned Vanguard Action Squad's target was, right? Yeah, Muscular mentions to uh, Deku, or he, he says, where's the kid named Bakugo at? And so Deku's like, they're after Kachan. Oh, I have to mention that they're after Kachan. <laughs> yeah, I got I got to say, I do love this moment because uh, through a series of events, um, Deku does end up near Mandalay and says, use your telepathy to tell everyone that Aizawa Sensei said it's OK to fight. That's important. Also, they're after Kachan. And, and then Deku starts running off immediately afterward. And it's like, wait, I don't know who Kachan is. <laughs> <laughs> He's so hyped up on adrenaline, he forgot that he was just using a nickname. Thankfully, other people were able to put two and two together because he frequently refers to Bakugo yeah. as Kachan. Oh, basically, everyone in class 1A is like, oh, they're after Bakugo. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> Deku does drop off uh, Kota to Aizawa Sensei at one point, and Aizawa's like, what happened to your arms? Oh, you did it again, didn't you? Yeah, sorry, okay, gotta go. Run, running now, bye! Okay, your adrenaline is going to peter out at any moment. And you're going to collapse. Look, He's just find. Already gone. Just, just find Mandalay and said that it's, and tell her that I said it's okay to fight. Poor Aizawa. I feel so bad for him in this art. Aizawa gets a lot of crap this section. He really does. He does. But uh, poor man. Yeah, he. he it, it's very specifically um, because they're technically on public ground. There's also a little bit of cases where the manga explains a little bit more deeply about how uh, quirk laws work, like between chapter, like side, give a bit more details. And because they're technically on public ground, they're not really allowed to use their quirks on someone. But Aizawa is saying, I will accept any flack for this. Defend yourself. Yeah, because normally if you use your quirk without explicit written authority, the Gestapo quirk police, I guess, are going to come and arrest you for being a danger to humanity. Like if you're using your telekinesis to shop, suddenly secret police are going to whisk you away to an underground Riker cell. I, 
Uh, I mean, these restrictions are kind of like reasonable given the fact that a lot of these quirks are either have limited control and these are children. Hopefully you've done the uh, the uh, reading, dear listener, but uh, for any of you who haven't, uh, Matt is being sarcastic. The manga actually specifically points out that that one, uh, no one would care if you were to do that. It's just... Uh, the the way that listener, the war- if me going on a rant about the Gestapo quirk police wasn't a sign <laughs> I was being sarcastic. I get the problems with you, not me. Uh, You're not wrong about that, Matt, but I feel like being careful. Um <laughs> I mean we this is being distributed via the internet. Yeah, that's sort of no we know it lives on the internet. <laughs> But yeah, no, uh, point being, point being, the, the, the manga, actually, this is one of the rare cases where the manga goes into a bit more detail than the anime does, because normally the anime, like, uh, clarified stuff that the manga set up. Basically, what they did was that they created a lot of, like, you know, broad interpretation laws. Like, strictly speaking, you're not allowed to use your quirk in public, that's just a general rule, but if you have something like... Midoriya's mom has a telekinesis quirk, and if she dropped her phone and used her quirk to pick it up... Nobody would bat an eye at that, even though it's technically illegal. But in this case, there is the situation where it's like these people are like if you were to if you were to use your quirk on somebody else, yeah, that is strictly speaking uh, for obvious for obvious reasons. I think like obviously you don't want to use any quirks that could potentially be an offensive, well, offensive, not offensive. Yeah, 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 probably, but offensive to another person. I also assume it completely isn't even regarding like physical quirks. Like I think uh tail dude's tail. Like he's, he's like it's part of my body. <laughs> I think if he hit someone with that, he'd just get charged with assault, not yeah. you used your quirk illegally for attacking with your tail. Like, Be careful with your limbs, guys. To sort of summarize this whole situation, I think the I think the important thing is that this actually kind of reinforces stuff that we had sort of surmised previously, where the 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 change happened so quickly that a lot of the laws still haven't quite caught up yet because it's mostly throw out a broad stroke thing and we'll figure it out later. And then how many generations has it been? Did we ever get like a hard fast generational thing? I don't think we got a hard and fast generational thing, but I think the other thing that's sort of important is, you know, the thing I was about to go into is government is as government does. If there's any one thing a government, generally speaking, isn't, it's fast. So by design. Yeah. And and that's that is sometimes a good thing. And uh, in other cases, it it means that uh, uh, Mrs. Midoriya picking up her phone on the street is technically a crime. (laughs) I'm just saying, if they just took the person with the strongest quirks and made him king of all the world, we could have a monarchy, and monarchies are known for being the fastest of governments. <laughs> technically, the, the words that you said are technically correct. I don't think I agree with them, but you're not entirely wrong. Yeah. So you're free to be wrong, Jacob. I, <laughs> I mean, objectively, they things. are they are fast. They are you know? the most efficient. My word goes. You figure it out, but do it now. <laughs> but yeah, anyway. What, what What did I come back to? Nothing, Sam. <laughs> Don't anyway, worry, Sam. We're, we're, we're uh, solving hero problems. Anyway, where were we? Oh, right. <laughs> the farms. Yeah, Mrs. Mrs. Midoriya is going to have to. She's going to have to file a complaint. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> My son went away for summer vacation and came back with broken arms. My son well, went away for three days and came away with a possibly... A uh, lifelong debilitation. 
The important bit is Kota has been rescued at this point, um, and Deku has uh, relayed to Mandalay the two messages to everybody. Defend yourselves, however you don't worry about the, the rules. Uh, Aizawa Sensei is taking responsibility for everything that's going to happen which is kind of kind of his thing in this section poor Aizawa and um he really uh, is are, the scapegoat <laughs> and uh they are specifically after Bakugo we get a, a number of other smaller confrontations we get finally get a little bit of a light shine uh shown on some of the uh class 1b uh students like uh Tetsutetsu and Kendo uh oh, I, I love this entire encounter I want to apologize to all the class 1B. I did not recognize any of them in street clothes. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Tetsutetsu and Kendo are uh, making their way through the gas created by Mustard, one of the members of the Vanguard Action Squad. I love Mustard so much. <laughs> <laughs> he's, pretty, he's pretty hilarious. I forgot what Mustard's primary method of attack was, but when that happened, I'm like, oh, Matt's going to like this character. My, my, my favorite thing in any superhero medium is when people don't discount how powerful a regular gun is. <laughs> like, <laughs> yep. It's like, man, cool, you can throw a fireball? Anyone can shoot a bullet. If that is stronger, you gun. don't have a superpower. And I'm and I'm not gonna lie, I I really like this moment because it actually does a good job of showing how powerful just a regular gun is. But also, you know, it doesn't it doesn't play that as a joke. It actually just shows that like maybe the maybe the uh, the value system of this society is skewed because uh... like honestly, if Kendo had gone in first, she'd be dead. Because Mustard just immediately went for the headshot. It's only the fact that Tetsutetsu went in first and was in his uh, steel form that he survived getting shot in the head. It does a good job of like not like going too far in the other direction and trivializing superpowers. But, you know, you can just shoot someone. That's an option. <laughs> the big thing from this is um, you get a you get a fight between them and uh, Mustard and Mustard is sort of pulling the standard villain thing of monologuing at them at, while he thinks he's winning. They managed to outsmart him. Maybe just Kendo got big hands. Yeah, Kendo blows away the uh, the gas that he was using to sense their positions, and that allowed them to, uh, since it's two-on-one, he couldn't, you know, deal with them <laughs> he, coming in both directions. He couldn't shoot both of them at once. The one flaw of a gun. You need two guns. <laughs> 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 or something that isn't a semi-automatic because he had a revolver yeah fair yeah <laughs> the point of the villain's plan is that they were going to use a combination of of two of their members uh dobby who i believe um we saw a brief scene of earlier like i think he actually is one of the first yeah. ones to show up but then it cuts to deku versus muscular um who has a fire-based quirk Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, Dobby has the weird patchwork face where he's got like... It looks like he has dead flesh sewed onto his face. I yes. think it's quite becoming. <laughs> Very distinguished. And as I was about to say, he's got that weird patchwork face that uh, some people find attractive. <laughs> I'm, I, not, I... I'm not discrediting you, Jay. I definitely cannot throw stones. I live in a glass house, but... <laughs> It's not my style. I would definitely be able to pick him out in a crowd. 
<laughs> that is, is true. One, that is one definition of the word distinguished, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, Dobby does attack the main uh, building where the remedial lessons are happening. But shock, surprise, it's not actually him. It is a doppelganger made out of clay. Uh, by one of flesh, isn't it? I think it's, it's goop. It's, I'm not. It, I, it I, is goop. The key to that is that uh, between Dobby's firepower and Mustard's uh, gas created like a sort of uh, semicircle barrier to try to keep the uh, heroes and the students in a specific area. And that that would also cover the retreat of the villains after they had succeeded in their mission. So I, I guess this is a good enough time to bring this up as any other. Uh, did uh, did the map they have help any of you people out? I I didn't really get much of a spatial awareness from it. Honestly, I, I did really not internalize it. the net, the map. It was just, I guess, a little tidbit that kind of went in one ear and off the other. But yeah, I didn't really focus on it that much. Yeah I, yeah, I was never really sure where any fight was taking place in regards to others. But I, 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 I guess I had just kind of internalized them all as being like separate encounters. And I, I just lived with that reality. I could tell who was moving toward what fight. Like, I don't know that. And I mean, like, it is it is supposed to be, like, kind of confusing in a fog of war sense. But, like, I could I could parse out, you know, who was going where. Yes, but uh, the reason that the Dobby that attacked the building was a doppelganger was because of my favorite character in the Vanguard Action Squad, Twice! I, I had forgotten about Twice. There were a couple of cases where I read some of his panels and, uh, uh... They don't they don't explain what his uh, gimmick is at, at this point, And I had actually forgotten what it was. So I got a little bit confused a few times. <laughs> I love I love twice. The thing is, he will. Like his uh, text panels are split kind of in half between him reacting to what's being said and then saying the exact opposite. Like he will get attacked by a fire attack and say, ah, that's that's bitter cold and then get hit by a, an ice attack and say, ow, 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 it's so hot. The one that confused me the most until I remembered who twice was where it's like, ah, I know you. Who are they again? <laughs> I recognize those faces. Who are they? Yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> well, Dobby, you put up a real fight against that pro hero. You're just fodder. Why are we sending in fodder to die? The other important thing with uh, Dobby's fight is that um, by the time Aizawa was able to get back uh, with Kota to drop Kota off, he he mentions to Vlad, the uh, homeroom teacher for class B. Yes, yes, Big Daddy Dracula. <laughs> uh, what they're What they're sending here is a distraction because I beat that guy, and when he attacked before, he did the exact same thing. This is a distraction. They're after the students. You being alone here is more than enough to keep the students safe. I have to go back out there, and uh, it's around this time that Mustard gets taken down, so the, the Vanguard Action Squad realizes that they are also running increasingly short on time. Did we talk about um, Spinner and Magne versus Mandalay and Tiger? They are interspersed through all of this. It's one of my favorites, though, just because it shows the fractions within the League of Villains, because Spenner very specifically is a uh, disciple of Stain, uh, to the point where Deku shows up, does his whole thing of relaying information to Mandalay, and then runs off, and Spenner stops Magne from going after Deku, because he's like, that's one of the heroes that... Uh, Stain recognized as being worthy of All Might's legacy. 
you are not to stop him. In other words, he has a moral code other Mm -hmm. than just destroy everything because we hate heroes. Whereas... Exactly. Hold on. What if I just magnetize men and women to be different poles? (laughs) (laughs) That's literally your quirk. That's that's not part of the moral discussion we're having right now. But the the point is, and then they get the then they get their faces punched in by Tiger. But I, I just wanted to bring that up because I really do like showing that despite the fact that Steam was defeated like two arcs ago, his cultural effect on villains is still being felt and is still having an active impact on our heroes. I don't necessarily know I want to hugely praise Horikoshi for this because this is a pretty basic element of world building uh, and character writing, but like the, um, it kind of goes to show that it's harder to organize the villains than it is the heroes because the mm-hmm. heroes want a peaceful world where people don't have to bother with the superhero shenanigans at all. And everybody basically wants that, you know, like there are some exceptions like Endeavor, but they're outliers. Whereas when it comes to the villains, you have someone like Muscular who just wants to inflict violence on people. You have people like Magne, who's a pretty garden variety criminal who just doesn't care about the law and thinks he's above it. And then you have guys like Spinner, who is an idealist. He's an idealist, yeah. I mean, almost an anti-hero to some extent, um, where he he wants to make the world a better place. He's just going about it in the worst possible way. I just appreciated the fact that he had the grafted blade way before Elden Ring came out. <laughs> but yeah, that's basically the extent of that. They are defeated rather swiftly afterwards. Onto some more fights. Um, Deku is running through the woods before he is uh, apprehended by Shoji, and... I also really like this because Todoroki, or not Todoroki, Tokoyami, too many people have similar names in this. (laughs) It's 30 characters, that's why. Yeah. Yeah. Tokoyami, whose uh, quirk becomes more unstable and destructive Mm -hmm. in darkness, had a friend attacked and mutilated in the dark of night. So Dark Shadow is currently rampaging. (laughs) Shoji's like, it's okay. It was one of my spare arms from my quirk. It's not actually a debilitating injury, but uh, he's not internalizing that. And right now he's attacking anything that makes sound. Oh, I shouldn't have talked. Smash. Uh, Tokiyami is telling Shoji to just leave. If there's nothing around, then I can't damage anything. But uh, uh, Shoji doesn't want to leave, you know, his friend behind. Uh, in that state say what you will about like kind of forcing tension i I would say that this is the biggest uh offender in that regard in this reading but there's a moment where shoji's like i'm not leaving my friend behind i know you want to go to bakugo midoriya what are we doing make a choice and the like last panel of the chapter is i'm sorry shoji like he's going to leave tokoyami behind but then, like, halfway through the next chapter, of course, he's, he said both. <laughs> yeah. The reason I don't have a problem with that is because of the answer. Because... Mm. Oh, I, I... Same. I, I'm just saying it It feels like a cheap cliffhanger, because it kind of is. But well, yeah, at the same yeah, time, but... I'm not going to argue about the destination. Yeah, it is a weekly series, so, like, the... I mean, I guess I guess the other thing I should maybe mention is that I, I don't... I didn't really have that impression almost entirely because I, you know, I did I did read this all these chapters of a weekly series over the course of a week. So, you know, I did I did read the next chapter immediately. And um, you Not know, I mean like there... over two days. <laughs> Look, 
<laughs> I say self-derisively. <laughs> Look. <laughs> the thing is, I honestly do think that there is a part of Deku who would actually make that make the call to leave Tokoyami. It's almost like in a trolley problem sense. It's like Tokoyami, if there's nobody around, the sun will come up eventually and Dark Shadow will recede. So mm -hmm. like strictly speaking, Bakugo is the bigger is the bigger priority, like in a in a trolley problem sense. And you know, Mr. Logic over here who's who's always coming up with clever plans, I could see him coming to that conclusion. But then you know, Deku, you know, is, you know, one of the most reflexively heroic characters in a magazine that is built almost entirely around that character <laughs> archetype, especially, you know, in the last, you know, in the last several years. And so, you know, he ultimately makes the choice of the best way of helping Tokuyami is getting him near light. Bakugo can produce light with his quirk. I'm going to step in here. Uh, I don't believe Deku would deal well with trolley problems at all. <laughs> he, he is the definition of All Might Junior. I think his solution would be every time I jump on the throw himself and into the, the into the trolley. Yes, <laughs> reject your switch. I wouldn't push a very fat man onto the trolley. <laughs> if anything, this should be brought into their curriculum. I feel like this is like heroism, like one hundred and one. All Might just teaching trick questions. Okay, so this is the trolley problem. What would you do in this scenario? Uh, I guess left track? You fell! <laughs> <laughs> the correct answer is to destroy what? both tracks. We don't know what the higher level classes at UA look like. So. It's the higher level class, though. It's basic decision making. I'm going to be honest. From what I've seen of UA, I refuse to believe they have any grades higher than freshmen. Like, <laughs> uh, we'll get point. there. We'll get there. That is objectively disproven in the next arc, but I believe you. I, I was going to say, up to this point, that is a reasonable thing. I only know uh, that there are other classes entirely because I have seen a little bit. I haven't seen the full next arc, but I've seen a little bit more of the anime where they're like, oh, by the way, yes, there are other classes. That is a weird thing that that's never come up before, isn't it, guys? What about when the school was attacked? Shut up. <laughs> okay. Horikoshi Sensei, I love you and I love your manga, but your world building needs to be maybe 12 steps ahead instead of two. <laughs> and it's weird. Where, where was the entire country of Germany during the 1930s? They were all on vacation. <laughs> Deku does have the big brain play. And they run towards signs of Bakugo and or Todoroki, which is good because they are fighting the creepiest motherfucker <laughs> in history. <laughs> they are fighting Moonfish, the Tooth Gimp. Oh, God, that is an accurate name. Yeah, that is a perfectly <laughs> accurate description of that character. Their, their personality is literally, I want to consume the innards of children. So, yes, uh, children flash. specifically. It was Look. very uncomfortable to read. I'm just flesh, saying, flesh. did they name uh, Moonfish's quirk? Being super creepy. Um, it has something to do so. with, it has to do with his teeth, though. I'm just going to guess his quirk's, his quirk's name is Tooth Fairy. Oh, God, probably. I don't okay. know, but now that's my new headcanon and I that hate sound, it. <laughs> that sounds disturbingly plausible. I hate this. Be because his whole thing is he extends his teeth. As so spear-like weapons. Is that all he can do? Or is he currently being restricted by the gimp outfit? 
I think he's in the gimp outfit because he's a death row inmate. Or it's just his. He's an exhibitionist. I mean, he's just an alternative right. character. Can we can we just add that to the list of things that's wrong with the Hiroaka universe is they put their death row inmates in gimp outfits? Like, that seems a little weird. <laughs> <laughs> and they oh. didn't cover his mouth. The one thing. Oh, God. Yeah, like, this isn't a restrictive measure. He's perfectly fine. It's. I think you guys are questioning it too much. Anyway, I was just wondering about his dental bills. I mean, seriously, imagine if he had braces. Look, they they Ugh. don't go into that detail because, unfortunately, Moonface doesn't get a lot of time to shine. No, not <laughs> at all. No, because they lure Dark Shadow rampaging over there and he breaks every tooth in his mouth. I mean, he put him out there. What do you expect to happen? They're going to break <laughs> your teeth. Exactly. But And uh, then uh, Bakugo's but... explosions and Todoroki's fire are able to create enough light to calm down Dark Shadow. Bakugo's standing there with his firecracker hands going, I am your worst matchup. <laughs> like we're in a fighting game. Yeah, that's Bakugo thinks they are. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, time for my least favorite character. <laughs> hey, 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 you gotta be nice to Uraka. Okay? <laughs> we're not enemies if you just keep shooting her down. I love Uraka, okay? It's Toga. I fucking hate Toga. Love Toga. Yeah, and I mean great. that I have like a love-hate relationship. I understand, Sam, why you don't like her, but for those reasons or why I like, like her. Sam, <laughs> Sam doesn't like it when women have independence and free agency. <laughs> Sam, Sam doesn't like it when characters in fiction remind him of his psychotic exes. But she is I, I, she is knife wielding, and I can only assume Russian because she yeah. is blonde. Uh, she could be. I can just leave. You can... <laughs> <laughs> we get a fight between Araraka and Suya against uh, Toga. Toga's just being super creepy. I wanted to like this fight better than I ended up because it's like it's a lot of buildup that kind of then gets thrown away. The big thing of this fight is that it doesn't actually do anything that we haven't seen before because like we already know that Araraka has um, gotten a lot better at, at direct physical combat after yeah. her internship with Gunhead. There's an element of, like, let's move along with the plot, and... Sue gets her tongue cut off, and then they don't really seem to care about that, like... It's not cut off. It's not it, even... It, it's just a... It's a it's a bleeding scratch on her tongue, but it is not It is, it is a flesh wound. She is also an amphibian. Is, so... Is Toga, is Toga really bad with that knife, then? Uh, I that... think what you're... I, I think don't what think you're supposed to take away is that Sue is that good with the with the dexterity with the, on her tongue. Yes, which is why all the fan fiction exists. I hate that you're right. Yeah, you're right. I hate that you're right. Anyway. Any, anyway, <laughs> the, I walked away with this the, not really understanding what Toga's, like, backpack did. I think it was, like, a it, vacuum for her knife. It, it's, a yes. weird, it's a weird suction thing that's supposed to draw blood out through the knife. Yes, so her entire, like, quirk is, like, blood-fused, or bl blood fuel Involved? Yeah. yeah, she has that's, a... That's just it. I don't think we saw her use her no, quirk. We, we, no, we haven't <laughs> seen her use her quirk. That comes up in the next arc. I think, actually, one of the last things that I saw in the anime was the point where it explains what Toga's quirk is. But yeah, she wants to harvest their blood and does it in a super cringy, creepy way, and there's less fighting, at least from my perspective, than just freaking everyone out. Like, yeah. what the hell is this chick? This fight is Toga's creepy and set up, I guess, for something that will happen in the future because it gets interrupted. 
Yeah. As much as I hate Toga, it does have one of the moments that I think is just objectively funny, where she's like, I like ragged guys who reek of blood, and it's a picture of stain during that. And then, like, the... Like then, not yep. even a pa- not even a page later, the the boys crash into the scene, and there's Deku ragged and reeking of blood, hanging off Shoji's back, and Toga looks at him, sparkles in eyes. It filled me with a primal terror, but it was very funny. <laughs> yeah, I think the big thing, I think the big thing, like the narrative utility of this fight is it's getting Toga to meet Deku. Gotta have that meet cute. Yeah, basically in the that meet cute where he that be cute where he's having his actual love interest <laughs> yes because that's how you replace his actual love interest <laughs> this would be uh, a very different manga but no. <laughs> but yeah I've read that manga. now that we've gotten everybody together at this point the bakugard the bakugo bodyguard battalion much to his chagrin there's a lot of cases over the course of this where um and i actually love this because it's actually a pretty good character moment for bakugo there's a lot of cases where he'll be like uh i refuse to go along with this plan and then he proceeds to go along with the plan because he knows arguing is pointless and wrong (laughs) like he just accepts it he just has to vocalize that he's not happy about it scared there was nothing scary i was just holding him off they had tokuyami in the back because uh you know dark shadow is a second pair of eyes but unfortunately both uh bakugo and tokuyami uh disappear from behind them yep i feel kind of bad for saying that twice is my favorite of the vanguard action squad because i also love compress he's really fun yeah i like compress uh, it is revealed by a showboating stage magician of a villain that they have been uh, whisked away, spirited away right under their very noses and put into two tiny marbles. And uh, now I bid you adieu as he fl- as he leaps away through the trees. The rest of this arc is the chase scene, which is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah. It involves uh, Todoroki. Uh, Shoji and Deku being made zero-G'd by Araraka and then flung on the frog tongue of Suyu. None of them seem on board for it either, too. <laughs> <laughs> Literally everybody except Deku is is like, is this a good idea? This is the best idea. We have to save them. <laughs> is this a good idea? No, it is the only idea. <laughs> and uh, they do have a great moment of flying through the air to crash into Compress and smash him down. Uh, into the clearing where the Vanguard action squad is getting ready to leave. Dobby just kind of looks over like, what the hell we're extracting here? What is this? You're bringing <laughs> a fight to the extraction point? It is, Come on! It is, it is set up like like the Vanguard action squad is about to step through a, a Kuragiri portal, and then all of a sudden, here's Deku, Shoji, and Todoroki landing on Compress. <laughs> Long story short, Compress is a magician. He's able to get out from under them, and Shoji pickpockets the, the marbles out of uh, Mr. Compress's pocket, but unfortunately, magician he Magician always has a trick up his sleeve. Or in his mouth. And then I'm just like, I don't don't know why he did that in particular, but okay. I'm just saying, dude had full lines of dialogue while having two balls in his mouth. (laughs) Mm, Editing, (laughs) Sam, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) 
It makes uh, sense in context. <laughs> increase the decibels on it. You got a chief. God damn it. <laughs> Poor Ayama, where he was the entire time, he really, they have a couple of uh, shots of him that have, like his comedically terrified face. But in all honesty, like what was he going to do? I, I really feel for the poor guy uh, who, no, who's stuck there in a really bad situation. I, I really like Aoyama in this because like he gets the same message everyone else does. And class B gets this a lot more than class A because main character syndrome, probably yeah. to be fair. But like everyone is just like, hey, we got told we can use our quirks. That doesn't necessarily mean fight. That means get away. And then, like, you can see a lot of people individually are fighting with the thing, like, but we want to be heroes. Shouldn't we fight villains? That's, like, the thing. If we just run away, are we ever going to be heroes? Aoyama is actually constantly fighting with that wall, hiding. Yeah. And it's at the very end, my boy suddenly gets up the courage to go, like, no, I'm going to step up and make a difference from the safety of this bush, because I'm still a coward, but I'm working on it. And well shoots his... Mabel there, laser. There's also a strong argument to be made that that was the perfect time to act be, act because the villains were leaving. Yeah, yeah. Like that was, yeah, I, I really like that moment for him. It's still him fighting against his fear because he was hiding. He's, yeah. there's no second guessing that. But yeah, he shoots his naval laser, smashes, um, uh, collapser. Uh, Mr. Compresses, Mr. Compresses. Um, ask. Yeah, and he spits up. Both of the balls. He catches the one that's Bakugo, but the other one falls out. And As like, they're, well, they're, they're both yeah. falling and they don't know which is which. Actually, I don't think anyone knows which is which at first. And Shoji is able to catch one of them, but um, Dobby is able to uh, snatch the other one away from Todoroki. This is going to be really important uh, for the discussion questions later, but the big thing is Deku couldn't do anything because both of his arms were broken. He could not do a damn thing unless he could... Like, get close enough to bite Dobby's fingers off. I'm just yeah, saying, arguably, it. Deku's dead weight. He shouldn't have come along at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's, look, that's... look at, like, Nero in the beginning of Devil May Cry 5. And um, Dobby is able to uh, snatch the other marble away from uh, Todoroki, and we get a setup that I don't know the payoff of. I mean, I can make a couple of guesses, but I don't know the payoff of where uh, it seems that... Uh, Dobby has particular knowledge of Todoroki. Dobby sees that he has, in fact, gotten the uh, marble with Bakugo in it, so uh, Mr. Compress releases his quirk and they leave. And we have a rather poignant visual of Bakugo being drawn into the darkness, saying, Stay back, Deku. Mm -hmm. And Deku, being the good friend he is, consistently does not listen to people. <laughs> 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 the next chapter opens on him collapsed on the ground screaming oh and we uh we start getting the wrap-up of all this event and uh i don't know the most surprising to me was they say um they can't find ragdoll they just found a puddle of blood where she was last seen and i'm like oh my god yeah that this whole thing was an absolute disaster the only two silver linings is nobody's dead at least but two people are missing, and uh, Yao Yorozu, uh, with the help of one of the Class 1B students, was the able to... Day, I think? I, 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 Tetsu and Kendo are the, the only two Class 1B students I know. I'm, I'm going to be honest, I put as much care and attention into Class 1B as the manga did, so I know none of their names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, I really like Kendo and Tetsu Tetsu is pretty distinctive. But... Oh, that's also my favorite part. I love the two panels where they just explicitly said class 1B was worse. And I'm like, <laughs> well, that doesn't seem to be what you said earlier. Uh, Rozu was able to uh, get a tracker on uh, a Nomu that the Vanguard Action Squad had brought. Favorite is how that Nomu is introduced is Dobby just being like, oh, that's right. <laughs> Shigaraki did give me a Nomu to come. It's my own personalized one. And then we cut to it. It's covered in chainsaws. And I'm like, that's a good Nomu. It's out, <laughs> here, looking, it's out here looking like Denji. Oh, no, they got Denji. <laughs> <laughs> They got his quirk of Chainsaw Man. Quite the quirk. The Nomu is recalled, and because they are basically automatons, uh, it walks away and doesn't even flinch as it gets a tracking beacon welded onto its lower back. And so now the heroes know where that Nomu is going, which means they have information on the location of the villains, which is a cold comfort to Deku, who is racked by terrible pain and fever, and also Bakugo, who is kidnapped, and everybody else. Oh, God. Needless to say, their uh, summer break was cut a little short. Yeah. But this is about the halfway point of our reading, so we are going to jump into a quick break. Uh, we will catch you all in a few moments where we resume this and get into the Bakugo Retrieval Arc. to the show everybody where last we left our young heroes they had just repelled the vanguard action squad of the league of villains unfortunately repelled is a bit of a um exaggeration because uh most people have been beaten to absolute hell including midoriya whose arms are basically so fucked up he's got like one life left in them and uh, Bakugo has been kidnapped. Also, Ragdoll is, like, gone. There was only a puddle of blood. What happened? Ragdoll, presumed dead. Yeah, it's a bad situation all around, which is where we rejoin our primary characters, specifically, in this case, Midoriya in the hospital, who, look, I don't want to be too harsh on the boy, but also, you got to be better to your mom, man. Yeah. He literally wakes up from two days of being racked by pain and fever, rolls over, sees a, a like, little note on the desk for, in his mom's handwriting, and thinks about Bakugo. Yeah, that's well, a little, I mean, I have to... At first, I was a little concerned about the fan fictions I've been reading, but now I'm, I'm beginning to see why. Okay, I'm just going to say, Deku in this entire arc is written as if he is a love interest to Bakugo. <laughs> yes, or or other way around, because it's very much not reciprocated at this point. Uh, yes, yes, you're right. It would be. He, he has but... a love interest in Bakugo. But yeah, poor poor Midoriya's mom. He's just trying to make sure, you know, her only child is okay. Yeah. You know, he hasn't he's had a pretty rough start to this well, school and rough start. A doctor has just told him, like, his arms, despite the fact he is being supernaturally healed by the nurse with her quirk, like he has been told his arms might become unusable if he does this exact same thing two or three more times. And I'm just like 
buddy, I don't want to tell you how to do your job, but maybe giving an exact number is not the way to deal with this. Like, well, you got to remember, he's a medical professional, so he's kind of got to make sure that he covers his own, like, mm -hmm. potentially. You don't well, want to say, say you only have then one more say, time. Then say never do it again, not you yeah. can only probably do this two or three more times. <laughs> not something to the dangerous, uh, <laughs> the dangerously self-sacrificing person. Hey, you've got about two more lives in you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, to be fair to this doctor, he doesn't know Deku, but giving Deku a number anywhere higher than zero is not a good idea. You mean the lives of two other people, right? No, I mean your arms. I mean righty and lefty. I mean, I don't know, coach. Doctor said I can only take four more concussions and then I die. <laughs> what? <laughs> or two more. You can at least do two more runs. Let's get in there. That sounds like three more games I got in me. <laughs> uh, it does have a bit of that energy as uh, Class 1A arrives to uh, try to such, cheer him up. That's yeah. such an old reference. No one is going to get that <laughs> What? I'm leaving it in anyway. <laughs> I'm confused. But yeah. Concussions. But anyway, Mineta standing there with a melon like, I brought you this melon in this trying time. <laughs> in, in all fairness, they all chipped in. This is an yes. expensive melon. Yes. Yeah, it's a very big one. And they obviously let the person most experienced at holding melons. Carry <laughs> yeah. yes. Yes. There's definitely not a metaphor in there anywhere. What are you talking about? But look, the one thing that's giving Midoriya hope right now is that uh, despite everything that's happened, he got a thank you letter from Kota for saving his life, which starts off with, sorry for punching you in the junk. <laughs> but he the apologized kid, directly. The kid's Not like, much. the kid's like seven. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to critique his thank you letter writing technique right now. <laughs> well, it's not vague. It's directly to the point. Hey, that thing I did. Sorry. I appreciate it's kind, that. It's kind of cringe. Sorry about that. Thanks for <laughs> saving my life. Get well soon. <laughs> and this is all Deku needs to revitalize his heroic spirit to uh, go on the basically suicide mission that Kirishima and Todoroki are, are proposing. I'm going to defend these guys because... I, I am being hyperbolic. In my yeah, way. yeah. It, it, but it is worth noting that, like, the thing I like about this is... Even at their craziest, Kirishima and Todoroki legit weren't weren't going to try to get into a fight. And oh, no. it's a good thing that the chaperones were there <laughs> for for what what's to come. But I mean, like particularly for Todoroki uh, and uh, Deku, like this is a, this is a good moment of growth for them. And my takeaway from this was so different that I thought they were constantly going like, yeah, we're totally not going to get into a fight, right? No one's planning to illegally use our quirks. Yeah, we're just going to go reconnaissance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they're the all just hyping each other up. The reason I the reason I didn't read it that way was because uh, they they don't say what the plan is until the two uh, chaperone and and when i w the way i'm putting it is it's never said to the audience what their actual plan is until the chaperones show up mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. until uh and, and it's like it's the way that yeah, it's framed until to the yeah, audience and Ida are there the the way it's framed to the audience is that they're going to do that but then once they actually talk out loud about what the plan is and present it to the audience not just each other then they explain that no we know that's stupid and won't help 
you know? I mean, like, there is the element of how much would Kirishima really have been able to hold himself back if um, Ida and Yaoyorozu weren't there? You know, like, that's that's a that's a personality element of uh, Kirishima in particular, and honestly, Deku to a large extent. In all, in all fairness, uh, Momo does have an internal monologue about, like, you know, we can say we're not going to get into a fight, but realistically, how likely is that? Yeah, well, that's the thing that is on everyone's mind. It's like probably gonna be some some fighting going on well the only reason that uh yaoyorozu agreed to it was once they once they see that there is no way to help without actually fighting we will we will drag them away telling them i told you so is is what she says in an internal monologue at one point sure, momo, keep <laughs> sure momo keep telling yourself that <laughs> so yeah Yorosu, you can make a second one of those uh tracking beacons that you gave to the cops right yeah. All right, cool. You're our eyes. Let's go. Is this the chapter where they explain the cork law? Because it got brought up in the last one, but there's like an entire like end panel discussing it in this one. I think it's actually during the forest fight around the time that um, Aizawa mentions that they're allowed to fight. Yeah, and um, it, but there, there's, there's a the need of... to explain like, I know that sounds really weird, but let me justify it. And then Matt reading it says like, I... I don't feel like you've justified it at all. I still think it sounds really weird. For my own purposes, I'll just say this is a your mileage may vary moment. So I'm not, you know, decrying Matt or saying that any interpretation is entirely correct. For me, it was enough that they were like, yeah, we're not going to let the kids with guns run around freely. It outright says this in that end panel explanation this is not actually a particularly well-written law and people complain about it because it doesn't make sense. Like that's actually in the end panel explanation of, of the law that it was, it, it was something that was uh, written into law in panic at the rise of quirks and never really got fixed. I, I am personally a rather large proponent of having things in world building that are poorly thought out not because the author poorly thought them out, but because people in universe, in universe made mistakes. Yeah, yeah. no, that's... Yeah. that that adds verisimilitude to the universe. I will say that as much as I love Horikoshi and I love this manga, there are moments where it feels more like the former than the latter. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was about to say, I don't really ever get that like extended world building from Horikoshi. I get like something will be slapped on later to explain a weird thing that happened is mm -hmm. much more that than the former. But I, I think this has come up literally every time we've talked about the world building in my hero. It Basically, is in service yeah. to the story, not really. Yeah, getting that sense isn't unreasonable because this is about the character's journey first and it will put a put the world building on a backseat. I'm sort of um, taking my hero at its word when it comes to that sort of thing. But also, I like this series more than Matt does, so of course I'm more willing to uh, accept it. I was fine with that in the context of, like, the the forest arc. The problem is during this Bakugo retrieval arc, they sure do love mentioning this law repeatedly. So it's just like, okay, I guess they're all on board with it. Cool. And then it ends up not mattering, so whatever. Yeah, well, I, I, I appreciate the way it ends up not mattering, because it is our characters playing playing within the rules of the universe i in in case you couldn't tell by all the hyping up i've been doing i really like this particular <laughs> segment of this arc the uh bakugo rescue section is 
one of my favorites just because of the way that it kind of pays off all the various character things that have been happening the uh the build up of the uh the world building shaky ground it might stand on unimportant the important part is uh everyone's playing within the rules of the universe and it's a ton of fun mm-hmm. so you mean the next section then because this section is the one where they go to the mm-hmm. place and then there's a dress-up montage yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because, because because moneybag Yao Yorozu wanted to know what it was like to go thrift shopping. <laughs> Yao Yorozu just being unbelievably adorable. They all come out of the shop looking like skeezy adults because they've glued <laughs> facial hair on. Well, hey, she justifies it by saying it's important, you know, to contribute to the economy because, yeah, she could just make everything for free. But, I mean, that wouldn't be into anyone's long-term benefit, right? Ar- arguably, if she's capable of making everything for free, she should do that, though. <laughs> Well, yeah, I Boy, love... you talking I... to me? There's an Earl Gay with egg boobs obey over there. <laughs> I love that uh, the uh, the dumbest member of this uh, squad, Kirishima... And I mean, like, to be fair, Kirishima isn't one of the dum-dums, but, like, he's he's the least intellectual of the group present, and he's the one who points out that you just wanted to go sh- thrift shopping. You can just say it. We're your friends. You don't need to <laughs> like, that But then she would be living up to a stereotype. <laughs> you can't admit that you're right. Hey, guys, can we just go shopping? I really want to go shopping. I can't say that in a herd of guys. <laughs> oh. Me- meanwhile, as this entire very adorable segment is happening, we're having some actual, like... um introspective character moments with bakugo and i will say as i said in the uh in the discord chat of this uh podcast i think this is peak bakugo right here Mm -hmm. because shigaraki is sitting there like a creeper he's sitting there like a creeper so we've got you we've won here now I've seen the way that you act. I saw the way that you were at the end of the sports festival. You're violent. You're explosive. You want to win. You must feel so suffocated by these rules of society. Now, untie him. We're treating him as an equal. Come, join us, and we will kaboom as Bakugo slaps the, the hand off of his face stands there saying i never thought you'd shut up i hate people that can't get to the point now i'm gonna blow up each and every one of you and leave in other words some more more characters who just don't understand bakugo like they do not understand him (laughs) that's the thing i love about this section they literally don't understand him they just saw the presentation of him being as you said in the last episode, Jay, the rage puppy on the podium of the of the freaking sports festival. And they're like, oh, he's like us. They are objectively wrong, and it bites them in the ass. And they're saying it backfired. There is layers to the degree which they're wrong, because whilst this is happening, the the League of Villains is uh, playing the press conference of UA apologizing for the incident. Stepping in here, the most unrealistic part about uh, My Hero Academia's world building, that the entertainment district would stop and watch this press conference happening. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not wrong. Press conference is playing on TV, and... um. 
you know, there's the whole, you know, the media circus is inevitably happening and Shigaraki points that out, like how quick they turn on their uh, supposed heroes. Doesn't that make you want to switch sides? And I mean, like, here's the thing. Bakugo has always been very clear about who he is and what he values. The way that he goes about those things is overtly problematic, but he has always wanted to save people and help people. And it's it's the obsession with the the raw power of a quirk and and placing value of a person on that axiom that's a large part of Bakugo's issues. And then you get a moment in the press conference where one of the reporters makes a comment about how the person who got kidnapped was the had to be uh, tied up because he was being a rage puppy during the sports festival. You know, how do you know that, you know, he won't be turned by the villains who captured him? And Aizawa once again points out, if that's what you took away from that, then you don't understand him. He is... Oh, I, I love this, because Aizawa stands up like he's about to spout off in an absolute rage like vlad is, vlad king is even like aizawa please don't play into their you hands know he's, yes, he, you. He's, he's very much known to mm. very strongly dislike the media at any point so this is from the get-go he is very uncomfortable and people are constantly trying to be like keep calm it's okay we have uh -huh. to do this though yes um, but aizawa bows and says look with all respect I know Bakugo, he's my student. I know what he displayed at those events. That is not the totality of him. And if if what the villains think is what you just said, then they are thinking so superficially that I honestly doubt their intelligence. He he basically <laughs> just said he stands up and says that these smooth brains can't do character reading. There's a fun moment of Bakugo like he it's one of the happiest moments of like, like he's not even like angry, happy or like scary, happy. He's actually just like really happy to hear that. The thing I really like about that is there's something that was actually, even when we were doing the uh, analysis of the scene in our reading, you know, it's something that in universe is easy to miss. And it's something that whilst, you know, I mean, like it, you know, that was an, it was an important element that we pointed out, but we didn't emphasize it. One of the big things is when Bakugo was fighting Araraka and everyone was booing Bakugo, one of the things that Aizawa said was that if you see Araraka as weak. a weak little girl who can't defend herself, then you don't understand her and you can just leave. But the other thing that was important is the reverse was also true. If you mm -hmm. see Bakugo as a brute for attacking that savagely, then you don't understand him. He is using everything he has against a worthy opponent. That's a sign of respect. Yes, he's a feminist. And like the the I... really <laughs> the really important element is Bakugo has problematic behaviors, and like Aizawa is even like you know, as his teacher, I should be working to correct that, and I have not succeeded at this point, and that's a failure on my part as a teacher, which again, poor Aizawa is taking on, <laughs> taking on so much in this section. But he goes as far as saying that Bakugo is very clear about what he believes. He is a hero. There's no question there. Whatever his, uh, you know, personality issues are, his rage can't be used uh, to make him you know, willingly join the evil side. 
He wants to do good. And he's said so many times. And if you're not paying attention to that, that if you're not listening to literally what he's saying, yeah. and what he's like demonstrated, yes, this is what he wants. And like, I love that moment because that, that goes to reinforce like so many other elements of his character. Like this is something that had been very heavily implied since pretty much his introduction. And, you know, every time he's, he's been a major player in a story beat, like this has always been the thing. It's like he's he's not okay. He's a rage puppy. That's not good. But he right. always has good intentions. This is one of the reasons why I love this arc so much. Because this arc, as we'll get to in a minute, does a lot to make uh Deku and Shigaraki as parallels, because they are both the proteges of powerful forces from the previous generation who are uh, trying to become independent and create a world in their own image. Like, those parallels are obvious. That's being screamed at you by the, by the work. But this entire time, we've had this thing of Bakugo and Deku are not too dissimilar. They both admire All Might to a fanatical and almost unhealthy degree, uh, as Bakugo himself, in a incredibly dramatic panel of him looking like a cackling supervillain says i admire all might's triumphs and he's got that same heroic spirit that deku does he just expresses it in a more very differently just very differently. differently very differently I didn't even want to say worse because Deku is is very it's very easy to argue that Deku is just as bad in the opposite direction <laughs> So yeah. this this parallel, it, this mirror shines to shines three ways. It is uh, Bakugo, Shigaraki, and Deku in this triangle, this conflux of the various ways of the world coming together, and how are things going to shake out when all of them clash, and who stands victorious? And that is why I fucking love this arc. <laughs> anyway. And then uh, and then All Might punches a hole in a wall. He yes. punches a hole in well, a wall. Pizza screaming, delivery. I am here. Yeah, first off, he does the stupid knock knock pizza delivery. <laughs> <laughs> knock 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 kabooey pizza delivery. Well no, that's someone else. And then the wall gets punched in. <laughs> as, as All Might is going. You're alas, there was no pizza. Mm -hmm. Sam, was it explicitly someone else? Because if not, I'm going to assume it was All Might. Well, he does say Kamui Pizza, so I think that was Kamui Woods, but it also could have been All Might either way. I believe either. They're all <laughs> Kamui Pizza. That's the code name for the rescue operation. <laughs> <laughs> the point being, the point being... There was no pizza. There was no pizza. There was only violence. Really bad guys on both sides, then. No. <laughs> No. Look, you don't um, lie about pizza. Yeah. That is the depths of evil. <laughs> Say the I Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles would beat up both parties. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just love how incredibly powerful All Might looks in this. As, you know, he's walking in all shadowed and muscular and powerful, making proclamations of, It ends here, Tomura Shigaraki. This is the decline of your League of Villains. All Might has a lot of really cool uh, chapter covers in this section. Mm -hmm. They're drawn like American comic books. Mm -hmm. 
looks really cool. Except for the I mean, one where he's got glistening white teeth. That one was just kind of <laughs> creepy. <laughs> to highlight those parallels I was saying earlier, as All Might is making this declaration of justice, this proclamation that your evil ends here, Shigaraki is having these flashbacks to the moment where he met the ultimate evil, where he met All for One. And parallel to the flashbacks of what All for One said in those moments of everyone's abandoned you, I am here for you. Shigaraki screams at All Might, I hate you. And as if summoned by his malice, Nomus explode out of the scenery. Yeah, and, and the thing I was going to mention that is a really cool moment for this scene is they actually do a good job because it's, you know, it's like Kamui Woods, the way he was introduced to the audience was a joke showing one of the big flaws of the of the uh, superheroic society of, you know, if you're flashy enough, then it it almost seems to matter more than whether or not you protect people. Because, like, that's the that's the first, like, bit that you uh, get introduced uh, to, you know, Mount Lady knocking out the 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 monster that had uh, gone on a rampage uh, instead of Kamui Woods. But, like, the heroes, when they come in, it's not just All Might who is shown to be incredibly powerful. Like, they have the League of Villains absolutely on lock. Like, it is not even a question how this is going to go. And it really sets up, like, how if, are the villains supposed to get out of this because the manga isn't ending right now? If basically Lucifer didn't intervene, the League of Villains was unmade right here. Yeah, every recourse that uh, Shigaraki thought he had had been accounted for. And that's when we get the moment of him flashing back to All for One and screaming to All Might, I hate you. And then and then suddenly no moves everywhere, even though they uh, were supposedly already raiding the, the Nomu production facility. They also managed to find Ragdoll. Yeah, because the, the kids went to their tracker location and then found the Nomu production facility are like, oh no, this is way over our heads. What are we going to build and get smashed in by Mountain Lady? They are <laughs> several steps behind. Yeah. <laughs> the pros and the police are already on top of this. Maybe we shouldn't be here. That's what I really like about this, though, is this is like something you wouldn't see in a lot of things that try for a more dramatic angle. No, they used the full force of their entire resources to smash this threat into dust. There's no, oh, we'll send an equal amount to combat this team because that creates a cool dynamic. that's dramatic. Yeah, no, they they go for the overkill. There is even a point where Mount Lady is like, this seems almost too easy. And I'm pretty sure it's Best Genist who's like, that was the point. <laughs> we did everything we could to make this too easy someone were to be watching this story, they should be upset at how quickly everything was demolished. <laughs> now, hold on a second. I'm sensing some uh, malice in the shadows. I... Oh! Boom! Now, hold on. That could just be an ordinary civilian. You serious? <laughs> now, now uh, editing Sam in the future. Put in the piano. <laughs> As all of our heroes in this scene are in complete disarray. The Nomus have been summoned into the bar and the League of Villains have been whisked away with the same power. Even Bakugo, Bakugo. Even Bakugo has been taken basically straight out of All Might's arms. 
to his incredible dismay. And in the wake of the blast, which is not even worthy of a panel, it is one page, everything is there. The next page, dust and debris and fallen bodies. There is a cylindrical crater where the heroes had been a moment before. It is a one-punch man panel. Like, it is a one-punch man panel from the perspective of everyone who is not Saitama. As a man hangs there in the air like a corpse on a tree bough, saying, well, that's about what I expected from the fourth best hero. Unfortunately for you, Genus, your quirk is not what I need. Now, let's see to the rest of it. And all the kids are frozen in absolute mortal terror. The understanding of death and oblivion has fallen upon them, and they cannot stand before all for one. And it is one of the most harrowing moments in the entire anime and the entire manga. And I mean, like, there, you get the, like, the internal monologues of each of the characters, and there's Deku and Kirishima thinking, if I don't do something now, then what am I even here for? And, like, that is a incredibly stupid decision if you show yourself now he'll just do to you what he did to all the pro heroes like and i i like the chapter title because the chapter title is from ida to midoriya i i don't remember if it's from ida to midoriya or from ida to deku but the one who's able to move first is ida who made the stupid decision last time and he physically holds them back. They are so incredibly outclassed. And Ida is the one who had to go through this, like, most personally. He had to be rescued by other people because he jumped into a thing he was unprepared for and made so much trouble for everyone else. He had to stop his friends because he's like, no, I have done exactly this. We're not, we're not doing this. You taught me to not do this, and now it's my turn to stop you. Also, we can all agree we never really liked Bakugo, so we can just dip. And I'm like, Ida, <laughs> you're making a lot of sense now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not actually what happens. No, it's not. But yeah, uh, because they lost contact, uh, because the um, uh, the hero team that was at the uh, bar lost contact with the other team, All Might can reasonably assume where you know, most of the fight is happening because these are the, like, mass-produced nomus that pretty much any of the pros can, at the very least, handle. So he heads off towards... Well, it, it, it was an abandoned factory. Now it is rubble. The way that the characters, like, particularly uh, All for One talks about it, it, it's one of those ones where it's like, this is like a rematch of the fight that crippled All Might, except... Both of them are, like, barely on their feet. They're barely on their feet from the start. So, like, and what was that What was that original fight like? Look, okay, in the outline, I made the joke of they have their Essence 5 brawl. You know, my mandatory Exalted reference. I, I give you that one, yeah. Yeah, five years ago when they were at their full power, this was Essence 6, 7... It was beyond mortal capability in every regard. And we see a bare fraction of that as 
All Might throws all of his raw power into All For One's face, his mask-covered face, and is stopped cold. Yeah, I will I will say, and I, I don't know if this is me misremembering the anime or if the uh, manga does this differently, but I really, like, one thing that I really honestly kind of liked was, man, All For One really chews the scenery, and it makes him such a, like, I don't know quite how to put it. It's like like an endearingly hateable villain or something. I mean, he does it in both, but there's kind of a more inherent... Uh, it feels like he talks more in the manga and like I didn't like mm-hmm. like he's he's just always like I don't know I, I kind of even to some extent get a little bit of an evil Deku vibe where he's sort of always kind of like musing to himself about the situation and um, like the part where he says that he miscalculated feels like uh, a moment of someone who thinks like Deku saying oh what I made a wrong play he's such a presence in the scene like he's not just the big bad it does such a good job of like he's not just powerful like they sell that he's a manipulator they sell that he's a leader and that he's you know capable of like you know creating the dark empire imperial march blah 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 that was mentioned uh about him prior again it's why he has that super dramatic entrance he's got that piano in the anime he's got all the grandeur that you would expect from the bbeg despite the fact that we're only like a quarter of the way through the manga at this point that's kind of the thing i love about this section because this manga is ultimately uh jake i know this is one of your favorite things about dragon ball uh particularly dbz is the entire thing about this manga is it's a passing of the torch story Mm-hmm. This final clash between All Might and All for One is the ultimate clash of which torch will burn brightest? Who will pass it with the greatest flame unto their protege? Because All Might is fighting to defeat his ultimate villain, while All for One is here saying, like, I'm just buying time for sh- Tomura Shigaraki to get away. I'm going to try to win, but if I lose, I don't care as long as Shigaraki gets away. Mm-hmm. He is the inheritor of my will. He is my protege. By the way, All Might, did you know this? He's the grandson of your mentor. It is a moment that hits so <laughs> hard because by this point, All Might is just down to his skeleton form only able to, like, buff up a single arm like he's emulating Deku of pouring everything into a single limb. And it's just his heroic will carrying him on. And then uh, All for One hits him with, you've been fighting the offspring of the person you admire most. The legacy of the person that you admire. And that's where I had to time in, and I felt like I understand where the manga's going, but you lost me with saying that's your grandson. Yeah. I'm like... This is just me as the reader speaking, fully understanding mm-hmm. where their manga is trying to take this. Who cares? Your yeah. grandson could be an, an asshole and could not inherit your quirks. We already know there's a lot of variety there. The fact that he wasn't even around when you knew your mentor, you know, like what if that was her second cousin or something? It's like, like okay. I, 
I had a much more impact from All Might going into his skeleton form while the like news media drones. Yeah, were that was more impactful mm -hmm. than the revealing the fact that oh, by the way, that's his, that's that's her her grandson. I'm like, like that, so. I, like that line hit more like the parodies of Star Wars do come sometimes. It was like, ah, yes, I am your nephew, and I'm just yeah, like, well, well, that that's impactful because right. there's an entire movie of buildup of what Luke thinks of his father. I've literally never heard of this grandson before. Here's yeah. the thing about all that, though, because Gran Torino actually says that to All Might. Yes. That doesn't I, matter. I, I know. And, I, and to me, what I took away from that moment is how it affects All Might, not my feelings about the fact that it's a character I don't know's grandson that has been the final well, And that's why I prefaced it with, I understand where the manga's going with this. But if it were me from the reader's point of view, I would be like, with like Gran Torino, who cares? This is someone you never knew. He ex is exploiting All Might's weakness to this is a descendant of somebody I knew who he's not able to in the moment rationalize. Wait, this is somebody who I was not even aware of. She, my mentor was not even aware of. He did not exist yeah, at that point like, in time. So I, it, it's I, like in the moment, I understand where they're going. But I, I get what you're trying to say, Jacob, but like when I then also got the explanation of who this grandson is, I'm like, oh, so it, I, I'm not really understanding why Alma might care as that much because it doesn't seem like anyone it's in this a relationship cared. It's a principled gut feeling of this is related to my mentor. I have to have some kind of emotional attachment because it is affiliated with my mentor. But that's, then rationally. Yeah, that's, 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 what I'm, that's what I took away from the scene where mm -hmm. it's, it's character informing of All Might. And this is actually another case where the fact that uh, that All for One is kind of scenery chewing. One of the one of the moments I really liked from that is the way that All for One convinces All Might that it's true is he says, isn't this exactly the kind of thing you would expect me to do? Mm -hmm. And like mm -hmm. that yeah. being proof yeah. enough that that like that that to me is a character moment not meant for getting an emotional reaction out of the audience because the I, I know I, uh, what I'm trying to say is I 100% agree with you. I think it's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm gonna say I am. I am with Jake on. I am uh, siding a lot with All Might here uh, right now. I understand where Matt and Jay are coming from. I I'm kind of looking at this from a. Uh, I I don't really have a proper word or phrase for it, but I'm I'm kind of in Florida. Shot, <laughs> shot in front. I just picked a random word. <laughs> no, not, not, no, not that, not that. I am not a part of the League of Villains. <laughs> Seeing it from a perspective of someone in universe, it's like this fight, and and this is kind of the thing I love about this particular conflict is this fight. This is a continuation of something that happened years ago. This is the uh final climax of a story that has been happening in the background of deku's story that we've been following this entire time it lends a real sense of continuous timeline a sort of verisimilitudinous to the world as we have these two massive forces clashing and sure we don't really understand why shigaraki being all might's mentor's grandson is important that doesn't mean anything to us it means a ton to all might because he's been there for the entire build-up and 
sure, I don't exactly get it, but I empathize with the emotion of it. And that makes it feel more like this is a real living, breathing world with a real living, breathing society that suddenly has to contend with everything that's happening now, including the entire sea change of All Might summoning up the last of his power using everything he's learned through his entire life and everything he's picked up from Deku as being a mentor you know, learning from the student to pour the final moat of his power into one massive United States of Smash Punch into All For One's face, driving him into the ground, ending his story. And now, truly, 92 chapters into the manga, it's finally Deku's turn. The emotional impact from an audience perspective is the world gets to see what All Might has secretly been for the last six years. And people are like, is that really All Might? He looks like he's skin and bones. It's a moment that that feels like it should be heroic where he's he's stopped the greatest evil that has existed in that universe up to that point. Um, he's standing triumphant and like, you know, he goes into his muscle form for a moment with his fist raised and everyone cheers, but then he doesn't have the strength to keep that form up. And he points at one of the cameras that's recording him and says, now it's your turn. He's pointing at Deku, isn't he? It just happens that the camera is right there. Well, no, Deku is, Deku is nowhere near this. He is, he is well, he's like several blocks away. He's like, he's like. In a crowd, actually. Yeah, he's, he's he's several blocks away at this point, but All Might knows that Deku is watching. Um, and because points, Deku is always watching, he points into the camera and he says, "Now it's your turn." Because the the crowd, the way that the crowd takes it, and like he he phrased it this way on I I, I, I assume he phrased it this way on purpose. The way that the crowd takes it is him saying that I'm you know you villain out there, you're next. But yes. Deku understands that he yes. is, you know, metaphorically pointing directly at Deku and saying, I'm done. You take the mantle now. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that was a beautiful moment. Very I also moment. I also love a, a, another another really good Bakugo moment is that at first Bakugo is cheering with everybody, but he notices Deku's reaction and instantly understands what All Might yeah. meant. Because he admires All Might in the same way. Deku is sobbing. He is beside himself, just bawling his eyes out. And there is a great panel of Bakugo just looking at him. It It's this beautiful blend of, like, realization, anger, shock. Just every human emotion wrapped up into one as he's like, oh, Deku is his actual inheritor. That's whose turn it is. That explains why I've never seen Deku's dad around. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> he wouldn't be the first person to assume that. That's also not no. really a joke because I think that's what Bakugo's going on about. Honestly, if I if I was in Bakugo's shoes, I would probably think the same thing. Because <laughs> well, that's how parts work. It's also the fact that they both obviously have this. I want to say robbery. Bakugo refuses to even see. You know. Uh, Deku is even a worthy opponent. Blah 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 blah. So I mean, the fact that the finality of I Deku is definitely the successor. Bakugo wanted 
to be at least be in the running and Mm -hmm. this kind of squashes that oh yeah it's gotta suck to have your your hero your icon in his final most impactful moment point at your rival and Mm -hmm. say it's your turn to your rival leaving you completely ignored yes it wasn't it's up to you guys now like that would have been equally as vague enough to have a double meeting no it's specifically your turn yeah (laughs) i know there's 30 main characters from now on we're not even going to pretend like Deku isn't the only one that matters. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to pull the ripcord. Uh. See, see, that is definitely All Might's perspective, but I also have had a theory about how the story is going to end basically from the first, uh, I shouldn't say from about like the, the test to get into UA. One of the big elements of the story is because they, they talk about now that All Might is definitely retiring now, he literally can't do super human things anymore. Now that he's uh, retiring, the one pillar upon which the society was built is is crumbling before everyone's very eyes. I sort of think that, you know, one of the mistakes that All Might is making is society can't have just one pillar. And I I feel like where the story might ultimately go would have to do with the idea that there isn't going to be one singular uh, symbol of peace. That ranking the heroes isn't necessarily, like, like that may or may not go away. But like the idea that, you know, that, that Deku won't be the symbol of peace, that the members of Class 1A will collectively be the symbol of peace. The so, pillars of it- hope. Interesting take. Counterpoint, it is called My Hero Academia, not Our Hero Academia. (laughs) That's better than what I was going to say. I just wanted to know more, and I guess this will probably be revealed in later chapters and probably later on in the anime, but I want to know more about the discussions or consideration after, you know, All Might, back in his prime, declared himself a pillar of peace. I know there's there's obviously, you know, the rivalry that is within the like top couple heroes. Did anyone else, you know, try to put themselves or position themselves as I want to also be a beacon of peace, not necessarily dethrone All Might? Like I there seems to be so much build up of I want to be the number one hero, but they yeah, don't I really think- give so much attention to what he stands for. I think I think to a large extent that's what Endeavor's problem is and now that he's technically the number 1 hero because All Might's retired we see how he feels about that which is a really he's so upset because his entire like everything he, that he he's not really proud of what he's no, done he, yeah he wanted to un- DC or unseat All Might. He did not want him to retire. Like, oh, like and he's he's at the point where he's like I've done a lot of shitty things to get where I am. And it was all meaningless because he retired. Also, there's yep. a kind of implication that he was always so far ahead of me, I never possibly could have even matched up. So it was a fruitless endeavor. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I get his name now. Yep. The the gap between them was so wide. As The stronger he got, the more he realized the, the difference between them. Uh-huh. And we have this, you know, just uh, that thing that Horikoshi's great at, of just encompassing all of the character in a single panel of Endeavor's eye 
clenched in like rage and regret as it's an image of Todoroki and his wife. I was just like, I did these horrendous, inexcusable things to defeat you, and now you're just going to expire? You're just going to retire? You're just going to expend all of your power in this one random fight that just happened out of nowhere? What is this? What does this mean to me? I don't know what to say, buddy. What does this mean to my family? Half of which I haven't talked to since they were born <laughs> because of their disappointments. Actually, I... That's not, that's not an exaggeration. Like, literally, he assessed them by their quirks, and if they did not have a very impressive quirk, look, he just, like, just look, discarded we, them. We can do an entire thing on how Endeavor's not a good person. That's fine. Yes. The point <laughs> is, he understands he's not a good person and feels remorse for it, which mm -hmm. is a stepping stone to being a better person, as opposed to yes. the villains who revel in how awful they are. Yeah, no, and I mean, like, that. that is sort of the thing, because, you know, for someone as, like... I, you know, it's like, how do you have sympathy for someone like Endeavor? Well, he gets what he did was wrong. And the fact that not only did he cross all of those lines, but now that he recognizes that they're for nothing, like, the pain there is is so understandable. You know, it doesn't justify, like, like it's not like that's, um, you know, it doesn't make up for all the terrible things he did, but it's just it like it's it's such a raw moment for the character that I just absolutely loved. And it's and, all encompassed into a single panel of just an eye filled with all of the rage and regret. Oh, also, he he destroyed his training room. Mm -hmm. Like and, everything he's been working for never <laughs> mattered. Like. Is, is a crater of fire. And in all honesty, to me, another thing that's a really important moment is that one of Todoroki's sisters is just like, yeah, he's been like that for a while. Mm -hmm. Like, assume that they're kind of like this. That's they're so telling. Yeah, you just got to let him burn it out. You're not going to solve it by talking to him. I know Endeavor well enough. Like, sometimes you just let people fume. Like, <laughs> yep. mm hmm. Todoroki just has to hear from his siblings of like, yeah, he's been like that. There's uh, not much you can say to him as Todoroki just kind of slides open the, the door to the training room, peeks in, sees Endeavor sitting there in the middle of a pockmarked uh, smoke-filled room of just weight training and various exercise equipment torn apart, half-melted. It's a scene out of hell. Yeah. <laughs> Basically work with when you got firepowers, right? I mean, fair. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, we had a situation with the League of Villains and Midoriya didn't break an arm. Yeah. Not for lack of trying. Um, <laughs> not for lack of trying. He, uh, he purposely removed himself from the plan to rescue Bakugo while that fight was going on. Yeah, we did, we did skip over that really good moment. It is a really quick moment to go through in all fairness, but... Yeah. It is, but I love this scene so much because it just fully encapsulates uh, Deku's growth, not as a person, but as a tactician, because he understands that, okay, we have to, A, avoid fighting, B, save Bakugo, C save Bakugo's ego. And taking all those things into account, he's like, all right, Ida, you're going to use your speed powers. I'm going to use my quirk. Todoroki's going to build a ramp for us. We are going to shoot up. And Kirishima, 
I've known Bakugo for literal years. For like a decade and a half, he and I have been close friends. We've spent days of our lives together. We are as close as close can be. You have a better connection with him than I do. If I reach my hand out to him, he will slap it away. You have to be the one to reach out to him. So you are going to you are going to tell him to come on. He will react to you because you are a friend. You are an equal to him. And Kirishima throws out his hand, screams, come on. And Bakugo launches himself into the air, grabs Kirishima's hand, and immediately settles into being Bakugo as he's like, you idiots. What do you think you're doing? I do do very strongly get the impression that Bakugo recognized that, because like, you know, like Deku is in the the people pile that is flying through the air to spirit Bakugo out of the situation so All Might can fight at full power, uh, because that's the reason they needed to do that. And uh, I do do get the impression from the look on Bakugo's face, because like he he has a like sort of a you clever bastard look on his face that like the lot of you did this on purpose to get me to agree to this didn't you (laughs) i'm not going to say out loud that i respect that because i'm mad but (laughs) the sarkis peak bakugo the way they were setting up that plan too they did like the oceans 11 like let's plan out what we're gonna do and like you weren't really sure if this was the plan or if it was like in media res so i was totally expecting them like see how the plan worked perfectly and then in actuality bakugo's like I'm not taking a hand from you. What is this nonsense? <laughs> but yeah, and then All Might loses his powers and snuffs out the remaining flame of one for all. The last of the power in his heart that would not die before its mission on this earth was done. God, it chokes me up every time I see it because it is All Might in his skeletal form, buck ass naked. Well, it's not just, even the skeletal form. It's a human-looking All Might because he's not mm-hmm. like like he he has like muscle tone to him. Like that's that's the Toshinori before he became All Might, holding on to the last of this flame as it's threatening to flicker out. Mm-hmm. He crouches over the flame of All for One, or of One for All. One for All. Well, of, he's of he's also all. crouching over all for one. I can see why <laughs> that's that's it. also yeah. true. Look, I get why. Yeah, I understand the poetic parallels of these power names, but thank you, Horikoshi. <laughs> I understand the metaphor of uh, all for one being greedy and one for all being meant for uh for the uh for all people but it's still kind of annoying at times i just love the image of all might crouching over that flame huddling over it in the blowing winter storm sheltering it long enough to do its duty and smash evil into the fucking pavement <laughs> Yep. And uh, in the aftermath of all this, we get we get a lot of different people's reactions. I, I there is sort of a, a interesting moment where like some of the like um, I, government I ministers how- and police are like, uh, well, I guess we could call this a draw, right? We lost all might. How can you ever call this a draw? My, my favorite is UA is having a teachers meeting and they're getting calls in like, well, obviously since all might is in his skeletal form. He can't be a teacher anymore. And I'm just like, no, well, that well, would make well. him, that would give him plenty of time to teach. I, what? 
People yeah, typically just... teach once they retire. That's like saying former athletes never become coaches. Like the superpowered society only cares about quirks. He doesn't have his quirk anymore. Yeah. yeah and they don't they also don't care about teachers, so it's great. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say, like it was just that was a one-off comment that was fortunately immediately squashed because it doesn't make any logical sense. Both All Might and Deku, both quirkless, originally quirkless individuals, are the underdogs of, you know, trying to recognize actual heroism for... Independent of quirks. Yes. So, but I mean, to Matt's point, also, it just does not make sense why all of a sudden just losing your power, your quirk, would make you all of a sudden no longer qualified to be an educator and or mentor to students. I'm, I'm going to be honest. The manga does not treat the public's concerns with much um, sincerity. They're, they they generally, if the public is reacting to something, they are saying they are overreacting. Yeah. Yeah. Because the public doesn't know yeah. anything. The public are stupid. Fully disclose my bias right here. I spent the better part of a decade as a reporter for a local news channel. Um, <laughs> the way that this will just casually say the media is overblowing things. Oh, the public opinion is shot through with like uh, overblown concerns and we shouldn't worry about it. I was like, hmm. <laughs> like yeah you are framing the reporters as bad guys here but like also what actually have you been doing you eh? yeah no, like this teachers meeting they are very much like we need to take responsibility but also the criticisms against us aren't so how about you actually do that okay what's a concrete thing you have to protect your students well we've increased surveillance we've increased the uh security detail that we have at our facility okay okay you're you're just saying things that anybody would say what is a concrete thing that you are doing right now why should we trust you with our children and the next generation of heroes yes it was very much a hedging non-answer that you would expect from authorities I'm just saying, if I was Aizawa, my response was, well, random person in the crowd, I'm just going to say, UA is a very elite academy, so we actually would never accept your children. <laughs> just personal ad hominem attacks. <laughs> I think that's what Flag King expected Aizawa to say. Well, I mean, it's the fact that they say that Aizawa does not like the media. What he really means is he does not like that one reporter. <laughs> <laughs> that guy in particular uses his cork on him, he freezes in place. I, oh, no, I, no I, further questions? Huh. Look, I agree. That guy was overdoing it, but at the same time, I cannot... I, I would be throwing stones in my glass house if I said, the press corps is right to question you right now, UA. You better give up some f***ing answers. You are harboring the next generation, not just of heroes, but of everybody in this superpowered society. Yeah, full, full stop. A school had a school-sanctioned trip where 23 of their students were horribly injured and presumably one of the teachers was presumed dead at the time of the press conference. Mm -hmm. And one of them was kidnapped. And their response to, this seems like the worst case scenario, Aizawa going like, well, no, the worst case scenario would have been they all died. And I'm like, well, true. <laughs> It is. You don't say that. But I mean, it's true. <laughs> that was immediately my response. I'm like, 
We could have everyone die. It would be- No, because ideally children dying on your field trip should be such a non-issue. You shouldn't even plan for that. I know, but he was just pointing out a technicality. That is not the worst outcome. Aizawa, in the most technical sense, you are right. But in any reasonable measure- That's the best kind of correct. That's not the answer that we're looking for. So so in any way, UA is getting a lot of bad press that I think the four of us agree they deserve. No, yeah, no, yes. they absolutely deserve. I, I, and I mean, like, that's sort of the thing. This is a problem with the superpowered society that they're a skewed sense of um, priorities. But yes. anyway, uh, their their plan to make everything right is uh, they had been talking about enforcing dormitories on the students for a while. Uh, why not go ahead with it? We're just going to individually go to everybody's house and ask if they're okay with moving on to campus. Yes, that is very standard, I would say, with um, circumstances such as these when you participate in extracurricular in which there is a heightened amount of training and or dedicated um, exercise involved. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 they do it with idols all the time where they will individually meet with parents and say, is it all right if you're child it, it is very telling that your go-to example was idols and not <laughs> and not anything sports. that's more appropriate yeah no i mean again skewed and hey, that has been that has been my exposure okay <laughs> but no i think it's also a very apt comparison now I, I i think that's a really apt comparison and that's a problem but anyway uh aizawa and all might uh end up going door to door in their uh suits and oh no, it, really slick. I'm just saying, if I saw <laughs> people, people, individuals who I knew were superheroes show up in suits, I'd be terrified. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? I thought I was watching a buddy cop movie for a second because that's <laughs> the, the look they've got going. It's also kind of the attitude that they have with each other to some extent. I I think what is happening is All Might and Aizawa are just doing class one A. Yeah, they yeah, they say because yeah. there's so many students in this facility. I mean, all, all A my, and B is I mean, sixty, and hey, they're talking about getting it done in like one day. I, I, well, Jay, you're forgetting class one B has a much lighter caseload because twenty three of them are in yes. the hospital. Yes, I know. <laughs> well, also the the reason the reason all might wanted them to separate was because uh, uh, he wanted to specifically deal with uh, the Midoriya household himself. Mm -hmm. Um. In fact, I think that was the last one. So he yes, he's just it like, was Aizawa, the last one. head home early. Because Aizawa was just like, well, we're going to get drinks after this. And All Might just has to be like, dude, I dude. do not have a liver. He I haven't had have a liver a... for six years. Like, he, this is not a thing. He doesn't have a lot of, like, organs. I'm pretty sure he doesn't have, like, all of his intestines and he's some other stuff, He's missing half a lung. It, we, we talked about it. It does not make sense, the amount of <laughs> organs he is missing, but whatever. Someone has an internal combustion engine in their leg. Like, that's... <laughs> Pick I your mean, battles. I was Pick just, like, battles. the audacity. I know he was trying to, you know, just shoot the <laughs> and be and be nice, but I'm just like... Dude, are you serious? It is, right now? it is also Aizawa, to be fair. <laughs> but anyway, the, the big thing is surprisingly, it seems every single person is super on board with them going to the dormitories up until Midoriya's household. Like, they are pretty much every door is just like, yeah, no, obviously we're okay with this. Fox oh, cool. The most hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> we, we, get a, we get a very telling look into his home life. 
this is just as dysfunctional as I thought it would be. <laughs> All Might being the good um, caretaker he is, being like, huh, this, uh, he appears to be being abused at home. This is a weird family. <laughs> well, uh, probably doing him a favor taking him out of this environment. <laughs> it's notable that his mom did nothing but slap him the entire time. They, uh, they are a strange family. Uh, but uh, everyone has been well, gung-ho on this. Like the thing about it is that um, because the uh, families of the students are closer, they have more information than the general public, and they're taking the perspective of and like whether or not that this is a a smart parenting decision mileage may vary, I guess. But um, like their their perspective is our kids have been your students. We know that you guys have been you know saving them, so. Mm -hmm. You know, we we will accept, you know, you being around them more, whereas the the public view is more of a you let it happen at all. Therefore, you can't be trusted. I'm sure they understand the faculty as individuals more so than the general public, which just sees it as an institution. And they're like, I trust you. I know who you are. You know, my kid talks about you and they have so many, so many Good comments. And, yeah. So and that's actually kind of I feel the reason why. Mrs. Midoriya is the one who has the opposite reaction because in a lot of ways, what's been happening to Deku is kind of a betrayal of the trust that she would have had going in, in a lot of ways. Deku notoriously tells her almost nothing. <laughs> in other words, <laughs> yeah. make sure you talk to your parents or else they will freak out. Well, at least your mom, apparently. We... <laughs> The, there, there's a thing that mentions that his dad like works overseas or yeah, something the, the bonus chapter just like three chapters ago was his mom and it said his father works overseas except in this chapter it seems to imply he's dead like yeah they're not very clear on it same thing he apparently never comes home and visits works overseas yes. he works like, on the farm it's well, in well, the voice of the author though so that's why I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from it like that that can't be a lie <laughs> anyway uh in case we've been beating around the bush uh mrs midoriya does not agree she is you are not taking my son um frankly if he is set on being a pro hero he was happy just watching heroes up until this whole mess with ua happened but like if he just wants to be a pro hero i'm gonna be honest there are other schools I'm I'm just sitting there going like Mrs. Midoriya, you are not wrong. Uh, <laughs> UA's training regimen has not uh, shown to me that they are any better than anyone else could do, considering the like special training over summer break was essentially self-study. Yeah. I'm I'm like yeah, the school doesn't seem to be providing anything other than prestige. But conveniently, yeah. as I was thinking this, All Might was also just like, you're right, he's just following in my footsteps, but Midoriya loves me so much he would do anything. And Midoriya comes out, he's like, yeah, you're right. I don't have to go to UA, but I'm going to a different Hero Academy if I do, because I've got this note. And it's the kid it's thanking him. It's affirmation that he is a hero. Yeah. And so, yeah, Mrs. I... Midori is like, wait, a child punched you in the balls? <laughs> <laughs> what are you tell me about this? That's literally the first sentence. <laughs> I, I am looking for grandchildren here. Well, uh, thus brings us to the end of our reading. Uh, after uh, All Might does the whole big uh, kowtow apology thing to... Uh, Mrs. Midoriya about how, yeah, no, you're right. Um, we've done a terrible job of protecting your son, but uh, he 
is my protege and I believe that he can become the next great hero. While I would absolutely understand a decision otherwise, I I beg you to give me one more chance. A scene so shocking, it literally makes her collapse to her knees. <laughs> so shocking that it makes the audience forget about the very next scene, which is Mrs. Midoriya having a mental conversation with either the ghost of her husband or is thinking about All Might. And yeah. the exact wording, I would need to see the original Japanese because the nuance there is lost on me. <laughs> uh, one way or another whose father does not matter is the only thing i've taken from this i i, I personally don't know if he's supposed to be. horikoshi has said he he ju is just working overseas i don't know if i believe that but he was he's... working overseas in america where he learned all the techniques for his united states of smash <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway I believe that Midoriya has never even met his father and therefore just believes his tale of he's in America. He is working abroad. We never hear of him sending any pictures or messages back home. But then even if he did, you know, Midoriya would never, you know, respond to them because he seems to ignore anyone who was actually related to him. <laughs> They're not all might. They aren't all <laughs> That we uh, know for sure yet. Indeed. But uh, it is, in fact, uh, the time for the discussion part of the episode and uh that brings us to the all-important question in a shonen like this uh favorite character and favorite fight uh it has actually been long enough that i don't remember what my previous entries for favorite character all might and bakugo probably <laughs> yep yeah probably something like that but uh I will say, uh, actually for this section my uh favorite character was uh kirishima uh Yes. I, what I love about this was he uh, had reached the point of like culminating all the subtle like background character building that had been happening with him because like not too much of a spotlight was ever shown on it, but he is constantly like around Bakugo talking to him, becoming friends with him. And then um, while it's not directly uh, framed by the manga too much, it's uh, obviously Deku noticed because he... Uh, incorporates that into the plan and uh it shows a lot about how even the background characters get a lot of thought in uh or the not really the background characters the side characters get a lot of thought uh in this not just the uh the three main protag boys and uh, i appreciate that sort of thorough character writing and uh, uh attention to uh all the various details it adds a nice complexity and believability to the uh, characters and also it has the awkward moment of uh midoriya childhood friend of bakugo saying yeah no he'd never listen to me if i actually said something you're his actual friend kirishima you have to be the one to call out to him so he'll be rescued <laughs> it is concerning and also very accurate i'm like deku you're learning maybe just take two steps further back and stop going like kachan we're best friends because that's clearly not been the case that's not yeah that's not helping the situation any is it not really. Uh, as for favorite fight, it's hard not to say the main attraction of the All Might versus All for One fight. It, it is. It was spectacular in the anime. It's spectacular in the manga. It's uh, full of the big feels. And as I said earlier, I love how it feels like a sort of a natural culmination moment that had uh, happened from a whole bunch of history 
that we don't actually see, but it feels real even without that direct information. And again, I really appreciate that. Uh, Jacob, how about you? Favorite character and favorite fight? Favorite character is a toss-up between two, and it's really hard for me to say which one it is. It's either Bakugo or Aizawa. You know, hmm. I mean, like, this section is peak Bakugo, and one of the things I really love about it is the fact that it it shows that all of the subtext associated with Bakugo was there with intention. Um, I love it when stories do that. But the thing is, man, Aizawa is just such a strong character in this section. He keeps having to make all of these really hard decisions. And, you know, it's like there's not even a real hard judgment call over, you know, how many he gets right, how many get he gets wrong. But there's also the sense that, like, he takes so much onto himself. And one of Bakugo's best moments is uh, framed by Aizawa. It's self-evident to the... Uh, audience but like explaining it to the other characters and that actually being facilitating a cool moment for Bakugo if I had to pick between the two I think in this section I would say that uh Aizawa is my favorite but overall because Bakugo was such a fun antagonist up to this point hold like like of all the the series that we've read so far Bakugo is probably my favorite but for this section specifically it would be Aizawa because he, he just really shined in this section Big agree. Azawa Sensei is great. As for favorite fight, honestly, uh, I I liked uh, Kendo and Tetsu Tetsu versus uh, Mustard. Uh, mm -hmm. That was a really good one. And I mean, like, obviously, All Might versus All for One is obviously a great fight. Um, but in all honesty, I think I liked it better in animation. I think it played better like that. And it's got that score in the. It's got the amazing the score. It's got the, it, the 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 kinetic motion of it is great. Not to say that it's not good in the manga. I like I liked it a lot in the manga. It's just I, I you know it would be um, below that. And Deku's fight with muscular was also pretty good for the reasons you know that were mentioned when we covered that. But in all honesty, I'm a big fan of Kendo. Um, she's one of the side characters that I can't help but notice whenever she's around and. This was a great moment of Tetsu Tetsu being Tetsu Tetsu without Kirishima around, which, mm -hmm. you know, again, like there's this whole like narrative beat of Deku separating his identity from All Might. So that Tetsu Tetsu gets a moment like that too is kind of neat. So I, I would say that that was probably the fight that I enjoyed the most in this reading, you know, because it was it was bolstering up characters that don't get as much spotlight as opposed to, you know, making the mains look even better. Uh, Matt, favorite character and favorite fight. Um, I mean, I got to rep my boy Ayama. Ayama, like mm -hmm. he di he didn't do much, but he fought against his fear. He shot his naval laser. He smacked compress in the face. He did a very critical attack at a very important moment. Yeah. 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 Made it's good just... decisions. He's done nothing wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, he's cool. Um, I, again, I think most of my favorite characters otherwise didn't do anything in these arcs. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, I pretty much. Yeah, this was a much more focused arc in terms of character action, not as much of the uh, ensemble cast happening in this one. It, it was Deku and Bakugo, basically. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sh Shoji actually got lifted up, but that's because multi-arm can only do so much. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, favorite fight? Uh, he was literally carrying Deku on his back for the entire first uh, part of this arc. <laughs> yeah. 
Some could argue he didn't need to be doing that. And in fact, that's really just Deku being super main character, but whatever. Um, <laughs> um, I guess if I had to pick a fight, uh, All Might versus All for One is just really like, it's like a good spectacle. Like it's fun to read. It was a lot of cool action scenes. I'm trying to think if there's a fight I liked better on like a structural level, but uh, I can't really think of one. They were, there wasn't a lot of tactics in this mm-hmm. arc, which fair. My boy Deku's fight was uh, punch. Oh no! Now you're not getting away. Punch harder, and I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah, I know that, you're, that, you're, go- you're going through an inner battle, but like, yeah, that that was entirely about the inner battle. That's <laughs> that's that's part of the reason why uh, Kendo and Tetsu Tetsu versus Mustard was higher in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, I forgot. Mustard's fight where my boy just takes out a gun. Yeah, that's pretty good, too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I did like the bits in the uh, All Might and All for One fight where All Might basically had to <laughs> fall back on Deku's own tactics when he didn't know how to use the quirk. That, that still was a lot of just pow- uh, powerful guys smacking each other. I mean, in all fairness, I think this is the same criticism I've had of uh, My Hero each time we've read it. So I think I'm just coming to the realization this is what hiroaka does and that's mm-hmm. fair clearly it's doing well it's yeah i'm not gonna say it needs to do anything differently it's hundreds of chapters it's fine so i'm just mm-hmm. realizing it's not made for me mm. yeah which fair not everything is not everything needs to be but everything should is really where <laughs> i'm coming from <laughs> and jay favorite character favorite fight so this was very difficult and i hope i'm remembering this correctly Favorite character, I would have to say, well, I'm torn because obviously it's my rage puppy. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, sorry, Jay, I'll just correct you right now. You were mispronouncing that. Uh, his name's Ayama. <laughs> I gave him kudos in my comments. I, I appreciate him because I understand how he feels. But no, <laughs> I still think he is a weak character. But favorite character, for obvious reasons. Um, favorite fight, um, I'd have to give it again. It's already been said multiple times now, all for one mm-hmm. and all might. Um, but I would have to say not exactly a fight, but a good tussle. Bakugo versus Shigaraki. That mm, was, yes. That was, that yeah. was comedy. And I enjoyed it. <laughs> and I love the surprise on everyone's face because no one listens to what he wants. Actually, if, if we're including tussles, can I change my answer? I want to do a Koda punching Deku in the balls. That's my favorite. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Two panels of uh, marvelous combat. I'm just saying, for all you uh, feet scalers out there, you know, mm-hmm. he did one shot the holder of all of uh, one for all. <laughs> yeah, top tier. Technically true. When he grows up, he's going to hold that over everyone's head. Hey, <laughs> punch that guy in the balls. Midoriya I defeated him in one attack. Uh-huh. And Midoriya, Midoriya in the future is like, could you, could you not bring that up, please? Every time. Oh, I made t-shirts. It's okay. <laughs> All right. So speaking of Deku, actually, I want to talk a little bit about um, his fucking arms. Yeah, Deku... Uh... Are we Deku surprised or are we just disappointed? Deku kind of went through a bit of a character regression in this arc. He uh he learned a lesson at the very end 
which is good, but like he, or maybe he he had character progression in like the wrong way. He was like, no, a hero stays to fight even if they're going to die. And I'm like, but that's not quite what you're doing, buddy. You're, there's a nuance there you seem to be missing. And when like he saw All Might's fight, he seems to realize, oh, wait, maybe just being a hindrance to all my friends is not the best way of moving forward. Well, that's yeah. actually that's actually the take that I had on it and the thing I wanted to point out about this. And, you know, like, like I mentioned earlier in the episode, this is the last full arc I've seen. I've seen the next bit where they're doing a test to get provincial licenses, I believe is what happens next. I've seen like about 60% of that arc in the anime, and that's where I uh, trailed off on it. Um, so I haven't seen a Deku in a crisis situation again. But the big thing for me when it comes to this arc is actually we saw Deku tried to just run and that didn't work. Not necessarily that I, I agree with this, but there is an argument to be made. He had to go that far in that moment. Like that time that he screwed his arms up was arguably justifiable. This is the first time where he's done that and it has caused massive problems for him because since he was in that state, he could have been able to save Bakugo. He was in position to save Bakugo, but couldn't. And this yeah, is the no first arms. this is the first time where he's been in a situation like that where him doing that to himself has has had serious ramifications. Sort of the perspective I'm taking is if he does this sort of thing again, then I'd call that a serious character regression. I would question that you know it's like you know maybe maybe there's some context where that could make narrative sense but like this should be a sea change for him because and and i think the fact that um you know as much as ida had to hold him back you know they didn't get in the way this time uh mm -hmm. with the with the all for one fight they specifically did a plan to get all of the people out of the way that they could like that was the entire point and goal of their of the strategy that Deku came up with you know again i i haven't i haven't seen him yet in another crisis situation so i would call foul if he pulls this again the next time something serious happens but i think that this is a big i think that the fact that he couldn't reach out with his shattered arms to catch bakugo in the forest is should be a big character moment for him it would be very remiss to not have uh more come out of that especially because of you know we get the panel immediately afterwards of deku like head down exhausted screaming at just the abject failure of what happened if that doesn't have a uh wider broader impact it would be a yeah that's frankly, a, a, pre a pretty big mistake yeah i am interested to see how this uh progresses in terms of the this uh, you know thinking just more in terms of the the power system uh because I, I i have seen a bit more of the anime as well and i do know uh how deku starts to work around this he, uh i won't uh spoil nothing for uh the other hosts but uh it it almost feels like it could be <laughs> him doing the same thing but just uh putting a different uh skin on it uh but 
that still remains yet to be seen and i am very interested to see uh how that how that progresses going forward not to spoil exactly what he does but i actually think what he does end up doing uh synergizes with a moment near the end of our reading where deku when his mother doesn't want to send him back to ua uh, he's willing to accept that because he holds up the the letter that uh, Kota had sent him. This is something I did, and I was just I wanted to go to UA just because that's where All Might went. But I've at this point proven I can be a hero onto myself, and um, you know him him creating something like like him being less so in All Might's shadow and more his own person. He's less like, I, I, I feel like, you know, moving forward, he should be less likely to do that again. He can make his yep. own mistakes and <laughs> selfish decisions. His own unique mistakes that harm him long term. <laughs> As usual, Jake and I took, uh, Jake and I took up a lot of the air in the room. Uh, Matt, Jay, <laughs> any thoughts? Well, I haven't seen the anime, so I don't know what you guys were talking about near the end there. Um, <laughs> yeah, nothing, uh, I guess, to say. I, I don't know. Deku's probably going to do what Deku does, because as we've learned, apparently the way you train quirks is just use them at 100% for three days in a row. So, yeah, uh, I don't know. He'll get stronger by breaking his arms more and more. And then when he breaks his arms the third and final time, it will unlock his arm Bon Kai. <laughs> <laughs> and then he'll get like four arms or something. I don't know. Or maybe he'll become Spider-Man. I, I, I honestly don't know. <laughs> That actually uh, brings us to the uh, ultimate question. Would you continue reading? Uh, I absolutely will. Uh, mostly because I, I want to keep going beyond the part where I have seen in the anime. And I, I know I'm not going to be able to get my ass to sit down and actually watch it. So <laughs> having any excuse to read the manga further, I will happily take. Yeah, ditto from, I've been, uh, at my uh, big old list, I've been uh, plinking away one chapter at a time with a random series and uh, trying to keep up with everything, but Hirawaka is definitely uh, a big love of mine. Always a really strong recommendation of a series when you're like, I can't be bothered to watch it, but... <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, it, it specifically comes down to... Uh... If you have my specific set of mental illnesses, you'll understand why I like this show a lot, but I can't even watch the anime. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway. Anyhow. Uh, Matt, Jay, how about you guys? I mean, I'll continue reading. Just because the characters intrigue me, and I have motivation to, you know, catch up. Because as I started this episode, um, I have promised to watch the anime. And I will once again promise I will eventually get around to watching the anime. You know, at some point you can just admit you've broken the promise. Like that's <laughs> no, it's never. still on my list. I yeah, will get there eventually. I, I guess if you never admit defeat, you're technically not a liar, I suppose. <laughs> but I'm not lying. It is on my list exactly. that if I ever have time, I will watch it. Yeah. And then you'll get to actually hear Bakugo screaming. Oh, I've heard him screaming. Music. Ew. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> and you, Matt. I want to say yes, because I like the side characters, but I don't know. These are two arcs in a row where it seemed like the cast kept getting whittled down more and more. So it's really just the main team. And I'm kind of worried this is going to start being more and more like Naruto, where it's just like, hey, here's some cool side characters. They're never going to do anything again after this arc. And I'm like, mm -hmm. cool. 
the people I care about are kind of being left in the dust, and I'm just like, that's fine. I don't really have any big problem with it is the problem. Like, normally when I say I don't want to continue reading this, I have, like, a legitimate, like, there's something mm. wrong with it. This yeah. is just... Not your cup of tea. The fights are not my deal, and the characters I actually, like, connected with are clearly not the series' priority, so it, it just seems like the series is not reaching out to me so i don't know i'll mm -hmm. keep reading it i don't have and, and that's fine no and it's I feel... not everything needs to be exactly <laughs> tailored to my interest what are you not grasping <laughs> i feel like i feel like that's a similar reaction that i had to uh jujutsu kaisen it's like nothing wrong with it but eh, probably not jujutsu kaisen your problem was you didn't connect to any of the characters yeah. my problem is i connected to characters that clearly that, the story doesn't care that about the so. yeah that the story uh is sidelining and but I, yeah, no, I, I, I mean similar sentiment, though. And I feel like that is kind of a dilemma that every series kind of runs the risk of, because obviously it's in it's an actualization of the manga's vision. And whatever energy, whatever vibes they want to put into their main characters, you know, it just does not vibe with everyone. And mm -hmm. that's fine. Yeah. My my hero has strong seat of the pants uh, writing style energy, and I I find I just naturally don't vibe with that. So, yeah. Meanwhile, I I've I uh, <laughs> rather embarrassingly understand this. So. <laughs> <laughs> Look, if Horikoshi can do it, so can I. Damn it, Horikoshi can draw hands, Sam. Uh, you're right. Very well. You're Have right. Have you seen it them? His power is ultimately beyond me, but a man can dream. <laughs> uh, and uh, that brings us to the end of the show. So thank you, everybody, once again for uh, listening to the Over Manga Cast. Remember to follow us on all of your social medias where we are at Over Manga Cast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I, I keep doing this bit of I think there's another one, but I, I know there there I know there isn't. Well, we have a YouTube too, which uh, if you want the episodes go live on that about a week after because generating them takes time. It is a great place if you want to go for individual episode discussion. Just reach out to us in the comments there. But if you want a more general sense, uh, just drop us a review on your uh, podcatcher of choice. Uh, iTunes is preferred just because iTunes is preferred by everyone. Uh, I don't make the rules. That's just apparently how it works. Um, if you don't believe in reviewing things, you can always, you can send us an email at overmangacast at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And as always, if you have a series you'd like us to read, uh, send us out. Uh, we've done some recommendations in the past. We'll probably do some in the future. Indeed, indeed. And uh, tune in next week where we are going to be reading Golden Kamui. Kamui? Kamui. Kamui? Kamui? It's one of them. It's a loan word. Indeed. Well, we'll figure out how to pronounce it by next week. But we're reading chapters 1 through 21. I've already started plinking away at this, and uh, I'll get this joke out of the way now. Why are these, Why does the MC look like the first three JoJo's rolled into one? <laughs> hey. Hey. That's not a complaint. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a thing. Anyway, <laughs> we'll catch y'all next week. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Okay, so Sam, we gotta find if we can find one of your ex-Russian assassin girlfriends, because we gotta find some skin to flay to make the treasure map. Wait, wait, what? wait, wait. What? <laughs> <laughs>